0: On, to yeah. Okay. yeah, I'm not used to that. Yeah, I'm not used to that. Hey, Dennis, I'm not used to that. I'll give you a call.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: That sounds good. Good morning everybody. If we could uh, if you could have you take a seat, we can get started. We're rolling. We're rolling. We got enough we got enough here we can start. We okay, good morning everybody. Where's that? Where's that together? Okay, good morning. This is the Broward County Board of County Commissioners meeting of Tuesday, December 5th, 2017. And if you would please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. And we're going to have birthday boy, uh, Drew Myers, that start us off with the Pledge of Allegiance. You didn't think we knew, it, did you? Please remain standing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of notable persons from our community who have recently passed. Uh, colleagues, does anyone have someone they would like to, they wish to remember during this moment of silence? Commissioner Remarque? It's
2: because you're mayor, I don't want to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> no. yeah, th- these are two folks who... Uh, two American heroes that, that didn't pass this last week or or too recently, but uh, we had the 76th anniversary of uh, Memorial of Pearl Harbor at Port Everglades on Sunday. <coughs> and I mentioned a few weeks ago or or so uh, that Eddie Hammond, Pearl Harbor Eddie from Deerfield Beach, had passed away. He was a machinist <coughs> made in, in uh, the Navy in, in Pearl Harbor. <coughs> but what I didn't know was that, um, <coughs> excuse me, that uh, Abe Stein, who was an Army medic who happened to find himself in Pearl Harbor on on uh, December 7, 1941, and then also on the beaches of Normandy and Omaha Beach, um, and then retired to Miami Beach and lived a long life. But he had passed away sometime between last year's ceremony and, and this year's. So uh, there's only about 2,000 of these American heroes left, and we had a 101-year-old. Uh, Air Force and uh, Army uh, Air Corps uh, veteran uh, at the ceremony, uh, Joseph Iskowitz from uh, Coconut Creek. So we just keep all of our, specifically our Pearl Harbor survivors in your thoughts and prayers.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Commissioner Holmes.
3: Yeah. First let me offer thanks on behalf of myself and my family for uh, all your sympathies, all your prayers your love and your kindness over these past uh, weeks. Uh, especially want to thank those of you who uh, came by, whether at the View Inn or at the funeral. Commissioner Rich, Udean, Brian, Bogan, Far and Lamarca and Gela. Uh, really thank you for taking the time out. And so many others of our staff and uh, friends and supporters who came out, thank you. It is heartfelt. Also, we have within the Caribbean community lost uh, one of our top entrepreneurs, <coughs> Mr. Lowell Harturn of Golden Crust. Last Saturday, fortunately, it is reported he took his life. Lowell had come from very humble beginnings, His father being a baker. He now has 120 stores throughout the country and is purportedly the largest minority franchisor in the United States. Uh, Let's keep his family, his co-workers, his associates, in your thoughts and prayers. Yesterday, my sister shared with me a a bit of sad news that one in eight people in Florida die as a result of suicide. Startling number. And I know that we do what we can here to support 211, First Call for Help. And I just want to let everyone know that if you're feeling despair, down and out, or whatever, there's help. Two one one is the first call that you can make, and they will help you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, let us also honor all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve in our armed forces, both here and abroad, and thank them for their service. Let's have a moment, a moment of silence. Thank you. Please take your seats. OK, welcome everybody to the meeting today. Uh, we've got a full agenda. Uh, for those in the audience, if you'll please turn off, the, your, turn off or silence your cell phones. If you wish to address the commission about an item in today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker card over here uh, located on the dais. Once the item comes up, if you have not signed up, uh, you will not be permitted to speak. You will have three minutes to speak, so please keep your comments to the item being discussed to a minimum. Please refrain from personal attacks or slanderous remarks. And if you fail to do so, your microphone will be shut off or you'll be removed by security. And we ask that those in the audience respect the views of those speaking and refrain from any applause, cheering, booing, or catcalling. Okay. And the music today was uh, selected by our in-house DJ, uh, Tim Ryan. He selected My Favorite Things by John Coltrane, good version, good version of it. And Blue Monday by Fats Domino. And today we have the honor of recognizing Broward County employees that have worked here for 15 years or more. Um, And we, we thank you for your dedication to this, and I'm going to come down there and we're going to call your name. When we call your name, come up to the podium to receive your recognition for a picture.
4: A All right, Commissioners, we have employees celebrating uh, 20, 25, 30, 35, and yes, one of our employees serving 40 years of service. <laughs> okay, so beginning with our 20 years of service, Winona McKinney from Accounting. Gerald Page from Public Communications. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy a Farmer from Transit, or is that Darcy? racing Ronaldo Soto from Transit. Okay, celebrating 25 years of service, Selena Saucedo from Aviation. I got you, I
5: know.
4: Andrea Frum from the county attorney's office. Come on down, Drew. Running and Candace is with the county attorney's office as well. Candace is under the weather. Uh, Mark Dubin and Mark is with Family Success Administration. Okay, and that's Augusto from Human Resources. Okay, Commissioners, celebrating 30 years of service, we begin with Patrice Aiken from the County Attorney's Office. Joseph Aquino, and Joseph is with Parks and Recreation. (laughs) Timothy Miller, Timothy is with Traffic Engineering. Also, um, we have uh, Cynthia Corbett Elder, she's with Transit. Israel Hernandez, Israel's with Transit. Br- brother of Rob Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, look, That's Congratulations. Okay, celebrating 35 years of service, we have Colleen Luogwe. And I think if I pronounced that wrong, then she'll correct me. Ligui. <laughs> Puglisi. Puglisi, Parks and Recreation, 35. Pronounce your
0: name.
4: Puglisi. <laughs> Puglisi, okay. Darryl Holiday. Holloway, I'm sorry, Parks and Recreation. And last but not least, celebrating 40 years of service, Suzanne Holdos. Suzanne is with libraries. said, "There's
6: one
4: we're missing." Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I need... uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. We have one more um, that we missed. His name is Timothy Shin. He's with uh, Water Waste Water. So.
0: We're good? Okay. All
7: right. That was fun.
1: that is fine. Oh, good. That's fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What do you want to do Okay, we have uh, two proclamations today. And the first one, Commissioner Lamarca, is to honor the MS Council Pulse Point, And they'll be presented by Commissioner Lamarca. And he'll, he's on his way to the podium. Thank you, Mayor.
2: Good morning. And m- might I ask uh, Chief John McNamara, Johnny Mack, to come up here, Medical Director Dr. Jerry Brooks. Uh, as well as our staff, uh, Allison Zerby and Rick Sluman, to come on up. Okay. It has been uh, a privilege and a pleasure to serve for the past, let's say seven years, over seven years on the EMS Council and the Fire Rescue Council uh, for the people who go out and uh, not necessarily face danger every single day, but they're ready for it, and when they do, uh, they put our lives before theirs. So, uh, with that, I know that uh, our brand-new chief, John McNamara, from Sunrise Fire Rescue, is uh, is going to introduce a video, I believe, and then we'll do the proclamation. Perfect.
8: Good morning. Uh, before we get to the video, I would like to uh, say thank you to all of you at the Briar County Commission in supporting our, our grant application process uh, for the last year. Uh, to implement what we believe is truly uh, uh, another life-saving tool to help first responders in our community. I also want to uh, extend an additional thanks as we've been notified that we received uh, approval for next year for the application process as well. Uh, briefly, uh, for those of you that may or may not be aware, obviously the American Heart Association is a strong advocate in supporting Uh, our efforts to assist people in the community that that suffer from a cardiac or a heart attack type event. And uh, over their years of of exhausting all efforts to help that process, they've explained how the importance of early recognition of someone having a heart attack, uh, early access to the 911 system, early bystander CPR, of course fire rescue personnel with advanced life support Mm -hmm. and hospital care, Improves the outcome of these individuals. No. The one thing that's always been missing is the availability to get early bystander CPR. Pulse Point fills that void. Uh, this allows people within a vicinity to be notified of when someone is having a life threatening cardiac condition. They can provide early CPR, and there is strong evidence to support that early CPR significantly improves your chances of survival. And with that, we'd like to show you a video of how this actually works.
9: PulsePoint is a smartphone app that helps connect people who know CPR with victims of a heart attack.
10: Heroes just steps away, ready to help. Doubling, possibly even tripling the chances of surviving a heart attack. A room full
6: We're of smartphones the video. at the ready. Oh, help
8: save okay, a good. life. I wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for Scott's fast acting
11: you're not going to believe how that man's life was saved. It was all thanks to an app. That
8: was quick. I thought it was a little longer. But nonetheless, uh, for, that's all right. Uh, for those of you that would be interested, it's very easy. You can simply take uh, your, your Android, iPhone, whatever you have, type in PulsePoint, uh, download the application. You could choose what agencies you'd like to follow based on maybe where you live. Uh, there's a, uh, some very easy explanations on what you can choose to be notified on. And then obviously if you're in the vicinity and someone needs life, life-saving help uh, with CPR and you can provide some assistance for that it would certainly help improve the chances of our fellow uh, men and women in the community as well as first responders that uh, assist these people. So with that, I'll uh, turn it over to Commissioner Lamarca.
2: Well, that's uh, that's certainly a a good use of technology, and I would recommend everybody download that. Um, I would just share that uh, in 1969, before I was one year old, my father had a – massive heart attack and, and, and pass suddenly. But, uh, you know, this is something that if we learn five minutes of, of, uh, of of process and and maybe this app, uh, as, as the chief said, a lot of lives would be saved. So this proclamation is for our EMS services system. So whereas the local emergency medical services system is an integral part of our community, providing life saving assistance to victims of sudden cardiac arrest and whereas sudden cardiac arrest is one of the leading causes of death in Florida and the U.S., and whereas in 2016, 1,645 emergency calls for cardiac arrest incidents were dispatched throughout Broward County's regional E-911 Consolidated communication System, and whereas four out of five cardiac arrests happen outside of a hospital setting and for each minute that a person does not receive CPR, and defibrillation during an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, the chance of survival decreases by 10%. And irreversible damage starts to occur in the brain and other organs after four minutes. Whereas PulsePoint Respond is a mobile application designed to support emergency medical services to improve cardiac arrest survival rates by empowering everyday citizens to provide life-saving assistance. And whereas this location... Aware mobile app software is linked to the county's regional E911 system, which is the responsibility of each municipality that participates, enabling Pulse Point Respond to notify registered users when bystander CPR may be needed in a nearby public place, while also directing them to the closest public access- accessible automated external defibrillator. And whereas our local emergency medical services community has received a grant from the Florida Department of Health through the Broward Regional EMS. Council to provide an application. this application following a successful pilot program conducted in the City of Sunrise Fire Rescue, and whereas we recognize our emergency medical services community for this accomplishment and stand with them in their ongoing and unselfish efforts to help one another in Broward County. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of Commissioners that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, December 5th, as Pulse Point Day in Broward County, and presenting this proclamation to you, Chief, Dr. Brooks. I want to thank you all for your uh, your service. Maybe we can uh, do a photo up here, maybe in front of the.
0: Thank you, guys. And the next proclamation is going to be acknowledging Caribbean Classic Day, and this is this takes. Uh, we're going to have uh, presented to Rosita Mobubi oh and Billy Badgett, and Commissioner Nan Rich is going to do the proclamation. There she is. She went all the way, all the way around. Okay. I I did think somebody, somebody, did somebody move the pro- take uh,
12: the proclamation? You, you used it, holding it up for. Gentlemen,
1: no,
12: I know. She was
13: holding
14: it up. Yeah. They wanted it for themselves.
12: Okay. Okay. So we have several people with us today. Uh, I had almost forgotten about this. I talked to you all such a long time ago about this. Sorry that my uh, friend uh, Jackie Basha Hammersmith couldn't be here today. Yes. she brought this to me originally. Uh, so uh, is Billy Badgett here? Billy's. No. Okay. okay so here. All right. And you're Rosita. Um, Rosita okay. and Nikki Bernstein. And Nikki. Yeah. You want to come up too, please? And of course we have uh, our own Stacy really yes. here. <laughs> so thank you for coming mm-hmm. to share this with us. We know that's important to you uh, in your role. Um, Okay, so, uh, whereas historic Gulfstream Park opened in Broward County in 1939, I have to say as an aside, my grandmother went to Gulfstream Park for years and years. She lived in Hollywood every single day it was open with her best friend, Belle, for many, many years and even took me when I was a teenager. (laughs) Okay, opened in Broward County in 1939, is conveniently located to serve 5.7 million people in the Tri-County area, and whereas located in the gateway to South America, Gulfstream Park has grown its Caribbean and South American fan base by over 30% in the last 10 years. And whereas on December 9, 2017, Gulfstream Park will host the Clasico Internacional del Caribe as the first United States host since the event's inception in 1966, and whereas the Caribbean Classic race series consists of five races, including the Classico, which is known as the Kentucky Derby of the Classico Internacional, and whereas participating countries currently include Colombia, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Mexico, Panama, Trinidad, and Tobago, and Venezuela, and whereas in hosting the Caribbean Classic for the first time, it is Gulfstream Park's intent to deliver a memorable and unique event that will increase its South American and Caribbean fan base to new heights in Broward County and the Tri-County area. And whereas Gulfstream invites all Broward County and South Florida individuals and organizations to celebrate and support the cultural exchange and bond that has been established between South Florida and the participating countries of the Clasico Internacional, now therefore be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Tuesday, December 5th, 2017, as Gulfstream Caribbean Classic Day in Broward County, Florida. Thank you. Yes, you may. And I'm going to let uh, our tourists... Absolutely. Tourist Absolutely.
15: Tourist <laughs> <also>. <laughs> um,
16: again, my name is Rosita Mahboubi and I'm the tourism consultant for Gulfstream Park. I just want to thank um, the commission and Nan Rich for... Uh, recognizing uh, this event and the proclamation. This is a special event, like you said, it's the very first time ever outside of the Confederation and in North America, so we're very proud to have them there. I also want to thank uh, Commissioner, or Mayor, I'm sorry, Mayor um, uh, Beam Fur, he is our district representative and a a good friend and I've known you for a long time and you've always been very supportive of tourism activities. And um, well, and
0: you were our tour- tourism czar. I was for, your tourism. For a yes, long time, so. I still Glad am.
16: <laughs> I still am. And speaking of tourism, I want to thank Stacey Ritter because um, the CVB and their staff have been just phenomenal in supporting us in so many ways, in um, marketing and promotions, in uh, partnerships. So we're really excited because Gulfstream Park serves the residents, obviously, as it did for your family, but, uh, but also the tourists. So we're hoping to bring tourists and residents alike all year round with great events that we will be proud to have in Broward County. And thank That's you great. so much.
0: Thank you.
15: Wait,
12: so do you want to, you. to you? The tourism czar. Okay. about, would you like to? Okay? No? Okay. okay. <laughs> 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 okay, well, we thank you and wish you success with the event. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank
0: you. Thank you all for coming today. Appreciate it. You want to do a picture? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you all very much for that. That'll be a that'll be a great event in District Six. Um, yes. Uh, okay. With that, I'm going to read, read the uh, Tuesday morning memo. Uh, consent items are one through 42. Public hearing items are 43 through 51. Regular items are 52 through 72. And I request the following withdrawals and inclusion of additional information. Item number 12. On, on number 12, withdrawn for further staff review. Item number 40, withdrawn for further staff review. Item number, Scrivener's errors are number 19. Motion currently reads, motion to award open-end contract to the apparent low responsive. It should read, motion to award open-end contract to the low responsive. Item number 29, Exhibit 1, page 8. Delete the comments 8 and 9. The Traffic Engineering Division has conditionally approved the school flasher bonding requirements. Item number 38, motion currently reads Commission District 6, should read Commission District 7. Item number 42, revised motion statement, motion to be retroactively approve Commissioner Nanrich's travel on behalf of the Board of County Commissioners related to her service on the statewide affordable housing work group for four related trips within the state. Item number 63, at the end of the motion statement, add, this is one of the three at-large positions for this advisory board. Additional information, item number 49, Commissioner Rich is, going to, is requesting to be a co-sponsor. Item 61, 62, 63, and 64 will be considered concurrently. Item number 72, Commissioner Udine is requesting to be a co-sponsor. Item number 14, be moved from consent to regular to allow an official statement to be read into the record by the county attorney. Items 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 59, 60, 65, 67, 71, and 72 be moved from regular to consent. And additional material, item number 46, replacement page 8-113, Exhibit 2, submitted by the Planning Council. Item number 58, memo to the board from Finance and Administrative Services Department. And item number 60-64, to at-large, board nominations. Mayor? Yes.
7: I, I don't know if you mentioned 66. I uh, also moved to consent. Okay.
0: I was oh. wondering if I skipped over that. I, I said, that's, okay. Thank you. In my head, I was, I was thinking hike <laughs> as I was reading all those numbers. I said, I can't say hike right here. <laughs> no. Got it. Okay. Um, with that, do, are there any polls from the consent agenda? I'm going to start with Commissioner Holness. Oh, actually, I'll, we'll, we'll deal with 14 right after that. Commissioner Holness? Okay. Commissioner Marker?
2: Um I don't have any polls, just had a, a question because it is being moved. But item 60, I'm assuming that's because that's the only one that was actually in a category that wasn't
17: completely large?
0: Correct. Okay. It didn't have any competition. Okay. okay.
17: okay. okay.
0: Commissioner Sharif.
18: One, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, <laughs> <Thank> seven. <you. laughs> just pulling your leg. I know, I know. All
1: right.
0: Chain, whatever. (laughs) I'm not going there. So, none. So, none, right? None. None. Okay. Uh, Vice Mayor Bogan? None. Okay. Commissioner Ryan? Item 18 and item
19: 39. 18 and 39.
5: None. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Mayor? Yes. I had one.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was getting (laughs) sorry. I have none, though. None, okay. We're all treating you kindly. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. (laughs) Baby gloves. Who's on on the phone? Oh, come on. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Geller, Geller, what do you have?
20: Uh, uh, 41, just for a quick question or comment.
0: Okay. Okay, with that, we have. Um, all of the consent items that, that were mentioned, minus 18, 24, 39, and 41. Do I have a motion to approve? Move the consent agenda. I have a second? Second.
19: Okay. Uh,
0: none, none today. I know. They've been nice today be nice to as well. <laughs> See how long that lasts. Yeah. All those in favor? Aye. aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay, those all pass. Okay, we're going to go to 14, item 14.
7: Yes, thank you, Mayor. Uh, Please be advised that notice is hereby given pursuant to subsection 286.011 per in eight Florida statutes, based on my desire for advice concerning the litigation, that a closed attorney-client meeting will be held on Tuesday, January 9, 2018, at approximately 12.30 p.m. in room 430 of Governmental Center, to discuss the matter of Pompano Beach Community Redevelopment Agency, et al., the Broward County, 17th Judicial Circuit Court, case number 14-009654. Those expected to attend the closed meeting are the Mayor, Vice Mayor, the other seven County Commissioners, County Administrator Bertha Henry, Deputy County Attorney Renee Harrod, an official court reporter, and me. Thank you.
0: Okay, thank you. Do I have a motion to approve uh, item 14? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay, that, right. pa- that passes unanimously. we we'll go to item 18. Commissioner Ryan, you pulled this.
19: Item 18 is a uh, motion to note for the record uh, an emergency award for a fixed contract to Olson Associates. They're a coastal engineering consultant, uh, and this was a, a beach survey, uh, an analysis that was done after Hurricane Irma. Um, I know that um, the largest portion of our coast um, is represented by Commissioner Lamarca, and I represent the middle portion, and of course, right. the mayor has the uh, the southern portion. It was a, um, an award in the amount of $277,000 to the county administrator. I assume that this survey and analysis has already been completed? It
4: has. Um, it's been completed, and Nicole Sharp is here if you'd have some
19: other questions for her. If she would please come to the Ms. podium. Ms. Sharp, if you can come to the podium.
14: Good morning, Mayor and Commissioners. Nicole Sharp with Environmental Planning.
19: Good morning. So as I understand it, one of the main purposes of this award and doing it so quickly was so that we would be eligible for uh, some cost-sharing and reimbursement for uh, work that will need to be done on the beaches as a result of uh, erosion with Hurricane Irma. Uh, it says in the backup material that um, our beaches are a federal shore protection project, and because of that, uh, we are eligible for reimbursement from uh, the Corps of Engineers. I assume that's the Army Corps of Engineers. Correct. It also states that, with that uh, eligibility, we are not eligible for any reimbursement from FEMA.
14: Correct. If you're a federal shore protection project, you cannot ask FEMA for money. You can't double dip in the federal funding pool.
19: Is there, uh, as a result of this uh, analysis and survey, have you have a uh, do you have a determination of what the estimated cost is for? Uh, repairs to the beach as a result of Irma? Uh,
14: the cost will actually be 100% to the federal government. The county won't have to bear any costs. Right now, we only have the analyses back from segment three, and we're looking around uh, 100,000 cubic yards lost there, so at $50 a cubic yard, that's a substantial project, and hopefully by end of the week, we'll have the segment two figures done.
19: And segment one?
14: Uh, segment one was not performed because it was done by the local municipalities. There. Uh, Um, locally managed so they'll put FEMA claims in on their own
19: okay and um, when um, when you do get this determination um, how soon will we have a uh, decision by the Army Corps of Engineers whether or not there will be uh, reimbursement
14: well it has to go through the appropriation progress uh, process up in Congress so we need the funds to be allocated to the South Atlantic District in order to get money to construct uh, post dorm rehabilitation so once we find out if there are appropriated funds to Beaches, then we'll be able to start fighting for that money in uh, Atlanta.
19: Thank you. Uh, with that, I'll move the item.
0: Any opposed? Okay. That passes unanimously. We're going to go to item number 39, no, wait, I'm sorry, 24. number 24. Commissioner Holness. Thank
3: you very much. Um, This is an item that deals with a relocation of or second most used transit center in Broad County at a Lauderdale Hill Mall to improve the facilities. It's a project that I actually undertook when I was a city commissioner in Lauderdale. Uh, it's quite a number of years now. Three different owners of the mall. I impressed on this current owner that if he were to Donate the land to us, we would move expeditiously to get this done. Actually, I've lost a couple of uh, wages already on uh, the timeliness of this. Uh, I'm being ridiculed now as to how long it takes government to get anything done. This facility is in great need of upgrades. It has never had restroom facilities. We're projected to have probably seven thousand plus passengers go through this site now on a daily basis. It's it's a lot of folks that we need to ensure have the proper facilities. Uh, and county administrator, uh, do we have anyone from our transit system that can tell us our construction system? One. Since we had the agreement signed by the owner, uh, why is it taking us so long? And why am I not hearing that we probably won't get this done until 2019? I was told that once we get these things in place, it would take us about 13 months, a year and a half, to complete.
4: So, at this point, Mr. Walton, and if you could have, um, uh, is it Eric Adna? If you can, both of you, because I'm, you can ask her. Those questions that are pertinent to you.
21: Good morning, commissioners, mayor, commissioners. Uh, part of the, there's been a, um, it has been a long process. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we undertook the, the design, we transit undertook the design of the process, um, probably. A year and a half ago, um, there were some county processes that we, quite frankly, were not aware of that had to be taken into account. So at that point, the, pro- the project was turned over to Public Works. So there, there was a redesign of the project that needed to, to occur, and um, that's, exa- that's a big part of, of the problem that has taken us so long. So the project has now been turned over to Public Works. So. We are to take point. Thank you.
10: Good morning. Ariadna Musarra, Construction Management Division. As Mr. Walton stated, uh, the project was turned over to my office a few months ago. We have moved expeditiously through the RFP process, and you see the results here. Uh, with the approval of this agreement, we should be able to start the design process As soon as we get the purchase order issued Mm -hmm. with that said um, the project needs to be designed and be designed properly that it does not mean that we will not move quickly as best as we can through the review processes that we have to go through we want to make sure we have a good quality project the second um, item that is always an unknown to us is the review with the permitting agencies as well as the bidding process now, with that said, this particular agreement and this consultant is very well versed and familiar with the processes with the city of Lauderhill. They have worked extensively with them. And I also know that the transit division has worked with the city in developing this project. So I really don't anticipate any big problems when, it, when we come to them to present the project for approval.
3: So let me have a couple more questions. One Transit had already done some design work. Can none of that be used? That we have to go back and redesign this whole thing again?
10: We can use the concept absolutely. We're going to reuse most of the concepts that were developed by Transit. But again, this is an issue of statute, and an architect or an engineer cannot just take the same drawings and sign and seal. We have to go through the process. They have to provide their calculations. But this should be an a, a expeditious process, really, because we already have a concept that's very well defined.
3: Okay. Can I get timelines as to when we're going to move this process forward? When are we going to get an RFP out for the con- construction company? I need some approximate timelines oh, at yes. minimum. Yes. When okay. will we start and when will we finish?
10: Okay. So we anticipate the design process to be done in about nine months, but we have to interject nine the site months. design plan process on that. As soon as that process, the design phase is completed, we'll go out to bid. Usually that takes about three months if all is well said and done with a contractor. And then we can start construction.
3: And what timeline do you anticipate for start to completion of of construction?
10: We think it's going to be between 12 and 15 months. And uh, specifically, we have a very complicated or complex canopy system that has a relatively long lead um, I, um, order item for the, uh, the design of this canopy. That's what's taking a little bit of, we think, for the estimation of the construction time. We're hoping between 12 and 15 months.
3: So based on the numbers you're telling me, we're looking at more than two years from now before we get this project completed?
10: Before it's all said and done. But again, we will try to endeavor and expedite in expediting whatever processes we can, Commissioner.
3: Is, is there anything you can think of now that can be done simul- simultaneously uh, so that we can expedite this process? The folks yes. out there, by the way, they, 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 they have to use the restaurants Understood. that are around. And, and the folks in the restaurant don't want to have everybody coming in and out of their place like that. I mean, this has been far, far too long for us to allow people to suffer like that.
10: Understood, Commissioner, and we are taking all of those steps into account. It truly is the review process between us, the designer, and the city.
0: Okay. Anything else? Okay. Looks like I won't be cutting that ribbon. <laughs> Two uh, years is why. yeah. Is there, a- <laughs> is,
5: is, there a- is there any way that we can expedite and cut those review and design processes short? I mean, the private sector to build something like this would never wait two years if they were performing this in a spreadsheet. They would try to expedite as they went along the way. I mean, I understand that the process has to be followed, but nine months for a design, it can be done much quicker than that.
3: And there are already elements of it in place. It's not, so, so, Commissioner, we actually add in on a year and a half already that transit already, did pretty much everything that needed to be done. My my understanding, a great deal of work's been done already by transit.
5: I agree. Nine months is too long to to have this in the design phase. The private sector, if they were building a building where they were going to cash flow it, would would, would not stand for this type of delay.
4: To to answer your question, I will um, we'll get back with staff to see if there's anything that we can do to expedite on our end. And time it out so we may need your help on some issues with the city and between the two of us we can we'll do our best to to contract the 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 timeline but if you recall we we um, the 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 system that we used out at um, in Pompano that the transit center there we had some similar issues with um, the canopies there we had Canopy issues at the airport because of hurricanes, so they they have to be Specially made um, So we're we're hoping that if we can get that done, too But it's a design issue. So wherever we can we'll cut that because I know that you have been waiting for a long time And we do apologize for that.
0: Thank you in the meantime. I'll take a motion uh, I'll, entertain a I'll motion. move the item Okay, Do I have a second Aye. all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed okay, number 24 passes unanimously? Item number 39, Commissioner Ryan.
19: This is a motion to note for the record, a request by the Broadview Park Civic Association to name a new pocket park, the Washburn Park. Um, I wanted to pull this because um, this couple, Jack and Jan Washburn, uh, came to Broadview Park in 1955 and both of them at one time or another. Uh, served as the president of the Broadview Park Civic Association. They are actively involved in the local schools, and in particular, uh, tutoring students. Uh, Jan Washburn, who survived her husband by 13 years, uh, was a longtime advocate for a fire station in Broadview Park, which is part of one of our, it's in the Municipal Services District. Uh, and I know that uh, Commissioner Lamarca was there at the opening of uh, fire station number 23, I was very pleased that Jan Washburn was able to attend. It was one of the last uh, events uh, prior to her death. And I just wanted to mention that um, as an elected official, and I think all of us will agree with with this. Um, it's the rare occasion when you meet an activist that really is doing it all for the right reasons. And it makes, being a a public servant, an elected official, I think it makes for um, a better experience for all of us. With that, I move the item.
0: All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay, that that passes you. Aye. Um, Commissioner Geller, uh, did you want to be seen as voting in the affirmative on item 24? We didn't Yeah,
20: I've been voting yes on everything. I just sometimes don't hit the unmute button
0: fast enough. Okay. So yes, on 24, if you could be seen on that, um, Commissioner Geller, your item on 20 on 41, please.
20: That's actually that's, uh Commissioner Rich's item, and I'm glad that she brought this up uh, because the phrase "consumer advocate" is just so vague. I'm glad that it's being a little bit um, further qualified there. But since we're just directing the county staff, a county attorney to draft an ordinance, and I haven't obviously been able to discuss this with Commissioner Rich, um, I want to know what a qualified patient advocate means. And I mean, what I would suggest that we ask the count or direct county attorney is that that be either someone that is on the registry or a caregiver or relative of someone that is on the registry i just i think we should give a little i i think consumer advocate is too vague language i'm not sure what qualified patient advocate is either and that's why i was suggesting that it have some tie-in to someone that is either on the registry or a caregiver relative of someone on the registry. Commissioner Rich, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Commissioner Rich, go ahead.
12: Yes, thank you. Um, Yes, actually, um, I spoke with several people about this, and they felt that this language actually does not tie into the statute. Um, It's it's medical marijuana, it's dealing with patients, Uh, The person that brought this to me originally was uh, the gentleman that is going to take that seat, uh, which was termed consumer advocate, but now patient advocate. And he, uh, that's uh, Seth Hyman, and he actually falls into the category exactly of what Senator uh, Geller was saying. Uh, He has this incredible understanding uh, uh, because of the fact of his his personal experiences, Uh, his daughter, uh, Becca um, has—I I won't even say multiple seizures. That's what he has in his uh, in his bio. But she, before uh, he started treating, getting treatment for her through this uh, way of using a medical marijuana uh, in different forms, uh, she had over 100 seizures a day. It's a 24/7 job for this family and. Uh, I um, he he's been in Tallahassee helping to get legislation passed and and he to me is a true patient advocate I mean that he is there because uh, uh, you know of his daughter and not only his daughter but uh, all children because he has focused on that trying to get the proper uh, help so that's the reason for changing it to patient and maybe um, uh, Drew would like to comment on that as well but that's the reason
7: it's good, so, I, I think so is it, Mr. Chair,
20: so it, would it be okay if we're directing county attorney to say because I, I just don't know the words "qualified patient advocate" by themselves. You know describe it enough but as so we direct the county attorney as they do this to include when they're drafting qualified patient advocate would mean either would mean either someone on the registry or family member or caregiver for someone on the registry if
7: that's okay with senator rich
0: attorney, attorney.
7: yes I mean if it's fine with with senator rich it's certainly something we can draft
0: Commissioner Rich? I, I, Do you want to I, make a motion?
12: I mean, I have no problem with it. I don't have a problem with the way it is here, too, because that's what the experts who have been up there are telling us, the wording yeah. should be patient advocate. But I, I have no problem mm-hmm. with, with uh, having it. You know, if there's something you'd like to change it to.
7: I want okay. to
0: just direct. County Attorney. Go ahead.
7: Yes, I was just going to say that, that uh, Senator Geller. Uh, just wants to make sure that it's not merely someone who doesn't fit into one of those three limited situations and is is just advocating for patients. Also wants it to be, I guess, someone on the registry or a relative uh, or the third condition. So if that's okay with Senator Rich, the person that was appointed in 60 would qualify, so I think we're fine.
0: Okay. Would you like to make a motion? Yeah. Yes. uh, So moved.
12: I'll move, yeah.
0: And seconded? Seconded. Okay. All those in favor? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All those opposed? Aye. That passes unanimously. Okay. That t- that brings us to the public hearing. Uh, we're going to start with number forty-three. I'd like to open up the public hearing. Uh, this is a motion. Number forty-three is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, approving and adopting the Broward County Transit Title Six Program. Is any, anyone here from the public to speak? Seeing none, I'll close the public hearing. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, do I have a second? Aye. Okay. All those in favor? Okay, Uh, that passes unanimously. We'll go to number 44, I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, authorizing the director of the Transportation Department to submit a grant application to the Florida Department of Transportation for for federal grant program funds pursuant to 49 USC section 5310 to purchase sedans for paratransit services. Um, is there anyone in the audience who would like to speak to this seeing none i'll take a motion a i'll entertain a motion comment.
5: okay this is this is the item that we spoke about a few weeks ago, or is this another grant this is the same one i'll move the item
0: okay okay all those in favor Aye. any opposed that passes unanimously i'll open up the public hearing for item number 45 it's a motion to adopt a resolution to transmit a pro- proposed amendment to the broward county land use plan Text PCT 18-1 regarding, regarding corrective amendments to Broward next as an amendment to the Broward County Comprehensive Plan. Uh, do I have anyone in the audience who would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll take. A, I'll entertain a motion. Okay, we have a um, motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Aye. Okay, that passes unanimously. Uh, we have item uh, number 46, this is a motion to adopt resolution to transmit a proposed amendment to the Broward County Land Use Plan Map, PC 18-2 in the City of Miramar, as an amendment to the Broward County Comprehensive Plan to designate state review agencies pursuant to Section 163.3184 of Florida Statutes. We have a number of uh, speakers on this one. Uh, we have two that are going are for questions only, and I'm going to start with, we'll start with, actually we have a number of that are going to be, People that are going to show either a PowerPoint or a video and not speak to it. They have three minutes so we'll be watching a few of those and then the others will be um, speaking. So we'll do one by one. Nick Vermont. Nick are you showing a video or are you talking? Uh,
22: show me the video. Okay but sh- can I just so and, and I guess briefly? I need to
0: ask Mike in the back do we have these queued up in? in
22: Everything's ready Mayor.
23: Okay. 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 I'm Nick Vermont, and I represent. The no. Mirrors.
0: In this In this case, you're only. Well, I said before, you have three minutes, and you're using your entire three minutes for the video. Okay. So, so here's no, the
24: video. Right. The Miramar Citizens Coalition since its inception has been exploring all avenues in an attempt to prevent Lennar developers from building 385 homes on the last piece of undisturbed wetlands in Western Miramar. We have examined the traffic nightmare on Miramar Parkway and Dykes Road as motorists approach I-75. We have dodged aggressive drivers at the intersections where Miramar Parkway crosses 172nd Avenue and 184th Avenue. We have studied the ill effects that Lennar's construction plans will have on 4,000 students at Everglades High School and Glades Middle School, which lie right across 172nd Avenue from the proposed construction site. But our cries have fallen on deaf ears. Perhaps we have now discovered the savior that may protect our wetland and prevent Lennar from completing this totally unwanted and unnecessary construction of...
0: Mike, any idea of, uh He's right here, he's checking. Okay. On the Sorry, the video crashed. Video crashed, okay. Nick, would you, like, would you like to use your last minute just to speak on this?
9: You're
1: not going to let me go
0: three minutes? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, go, why don't you go work with Mike and I'll go to the next person, okay? Um Mark Morgan. Are you speaking or showing a video? Uh, I'm speaking. Okay. Hold, let me reset this. Oops, so. sure.
17: Okay. It's not, it's not resetting. Minute. That's fine. I uh, appeared before the commission two weeks ago to request an extension to answer some of the questions that Broward County taxpayers had regarding this. And as of yet, as of today, we still have no answers. I would like to share some of those questions with you, perhaps open a dialogue between you, the planning staff, and the applicant to find answers to these critical questions that's going to impact all of us. The first is uh, the applicant proposes to install a right of way road along the nearly one and a half mile northern edge of the property between 172nd Avenue and 184th Avenue. Who will pay? For the property owner of this private-protected land for this eminent domain right-of-way, and who will be responsible for his maintenance, the developer or the taxpayers? We have no answer on that. Would you like to address that question?
0: After you've had your three minutes, if those questions, there are a couple people that may be able to answer those questions.
17: All right, well, we'll continue on. Uh, Considering that the requirement for turn lanes, bike paths, sidewalks, easements, and we estimate that this will require filling in roughly half of the lake that borders the property, thereby polluting the water and essentially paving over this entire stretch of land now designated as private protected. This land is now the habitat for several endangered and protected species, most notably the freshwater mussels, the scrub jays, the wood storks, gopher tortoise, heron, egrets, and even occasional migrating bald eagles. And while not protected, the deer are also beautiful to watch. Does this proposed development violate federal and state clean air, clean water, and wilderness protection laws? Next question. How much fill will be required to elevate this property to the new code, the, 19, or the 2018 building code, which manda- mandates all new construction to be 8.5 feet above sea level? This property is now 4 feet, over 120 acres with a mile and a half extension of road, this is going to be a massive project. We've already had bl- complaints about the, uh, the blasting that's going on by the nearby uh, quarries. The army of trucks that's going to be a constant stream going right by our three schools, and we saw it's right uh, across the street from Everglades High School. Isn't that going to be a violation of our Safeway to Schools program? How much more blasting from the nearby quarry will residents need to suffer to generate the millions of yards that's going to be required by the building code? And finally, does Broward County have any open mitigation banks? Our research of the Florida Natural Area Inventory indicates that the Florida Power and Light Turkey Point Bank near Homestead is the closest operating bank. The money that the developer says that he's going to take to the that is going to give to mitigate uh, the Broward County residents to support that. It's all going to go to Dade County. We propose, thank you, Mark, to turn this area into a mitigation bank.
0: Okay, thank you, Mark. Next, we have Kate Alvarez.
25: Good morning, Mayor, Commissioners, Vice Mayor. Thank you so much for this opportunity. My name is Kate Tobon.
0: Kate, I, are you showing a video?
25: No, a presentation. Okay, thank you. I represent the Miramar Citizens Coalition. This is the proposed area to the right. And the bottom right is uh, our subdivision is Riviera Isles. And to the left is Sunset Falls. As you know, it's very close to the blasting site into the borderline of Miami-Dade County. Uh, What you're going to hear today from Lennar is a dream. Their purpose is to sell you an idea of the perfect, perfect development. That's not the reality. So we have some information for you. In their school enrollment, they are going to tell you that only 157 additional students are going to be uh, the result of these 385 homes. They, they have this information. They brought it from the Broward uh, School District. That means that every family is going to put half a child which in reality according to the latest uh, census in florida uh, the average family has 1.8 child almost two child two children the environment they are saying that they're gonna uh, offer benign trapping and releasing of any animals found in the property we know that's not gonna happen the traffic some intersections are already operating at a uh, level of service f during peak hours Adding 3,000 uh, more uh, cars, is, uh, they say that is not going to make an impact. Uh, finally, I want to talk about the blasting, because they, have, uh, they keep denying that this is an issue. And uh, yesterday, we were featured in the Miami Herald, the front page of the Miami Herald. Our efforts are being uh, um, featured in several newspapers. Also, uh, Univision ran a segment yesterday. Channel 41 ran a segment yesterday on the blasting, and I want to ask you: uh, Now that everybody knows the blasting problem, it doesn't make any sense to approve new construction less than a half, a, less than a mile away from the current blasting site. We know that this issue is not going over anytime soon. And it would be your responsibility to tell these new homeowners that you approve new construction when we still have this problem going on. If you just check the simple math, adding uh, 1,270 people, according to their own proposal, is gonna be 885 kids. We are here because we are the ones who live in that property. We are here to tell you the truth. They are salesmen. They they use the numbers on their favor. Just common sense. Thank you. <laughs>
0: next we have Judy, uh, Sorry, next we have Judy Jawar. Did I say that right? How do I don't want to switch
11: this? Switch, hit the key. Right? To advance, <clears> I just hit a key. Oh. Okay sorry the green, the green. okay thank you okay <clears throat> hi thank you very much for letting us speak today mayor vice mayor and commissioners appreciate it Judy Jower 3120 Jauer. Southwest 108th Terrace in Miramar I uh, want to talk to you about the traffic situation it is currently extremely painful um, in our area this map again shows the wetlands area and it also shows immediately to the right the very large high school and middle school, which house 4,000 students that would be very negatively impacted by the construction that would take, say, three years, roughly, it's estimated, on that property in terms of dust, in terms of noise, in terms of traffic, in terms of trucks. Okay. But the yellow areas that are circled, these are our traffic headaches. Many of them are headaches today. We are in pain today. We've had many notices on our local... Uh, next, next door site, which you may be familiar with, that are seriously hurting from the traffic today three hundred and eighty five additional homes is too many yes it 's similar to current densities in the area, but that doesn 't mean it 's okay to add more of the same density. We are already in pain from the traffic. If there has to be building, reduce that number of homes. This is too many as an example the um, Broward County uh, Planning Council for which you know we all have a great respect um, did make one error when they were talking about the three roadway links that are most heavily impacted by this potential development they indicated that all three of those links are currently operating at an acceptable level of service C that is not the case on the MPO website it shows very clearly that in 2013 one of those links from 160th to I-75 is operating at an LOSF today, at an LOSF peak hour and throughout the day. Adding additional homes, adding 3,000 additional trips, 385 homes would put that on top of an LOSF, that's not acceptable. As far as relieving that in the future, I understand that the Broward County Planning Council is looking at the future That will go down according to the numbers on the MPO website, but it'll go down based on projects that aren't even going to be happening until 2031 and later. So we're looking at living with these very difficult conditions for at least another 15 years. That's unacceptable. We also see an F condition coming in the future at Miramar Parkway from 184th to 172nd. Again, we're living in a very unpleasant world from a traffic standpoint. I'll just move on to say, 385 homes are too many. We ask you to please work with the residents who are living this, not looking at just the future, but today. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Judy. Next, we have Dennis Mealy. Oops. Hold on, Hold on Dennis. Let me reset this. Okay. There's, quite a few, there's actually quite a few more speakers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, did you want to go in order? Oh, Dennis is last. All right. We can do that. Um, well, hold on, hold on, Dennis. We'll go to, I don't know how to say this, uh, J.D. Nielsen. You're going to have to help me on this one. J-Y-T-T-E? Utah. Utah. I knew that. This is a tough one. Okay. You have three minutes. All right. The floor is yours.
26: So I'm Yudi Nielsen. I live in Miramar on a lake and directly across from the property. I'm here today because I'm extremely passionate about protecting the environment and the wildlife and the area we live in. It's great to see Broward County believes in the climate change is real and that it has developed a climate action plan. I congratulate the task force and its leaders, Mayor Furr and Commissioner Rich, amongst others. So with this action plan comes with responsibility. Approving this amendment, Broward County would be contradicting many of the actions from the climate plan. According to your plan, development will be limited in vulnerable areas due to sea level rise, stormwater inundation, and other impacts of climate change. This action applies to this amendment we're discussing today. Do you all remember Hurricane Harvey and a devastation in Houston. It dumped 50 inches of rain in four days. Irma dumped 10 inches of rain in 24 hours, and we were extremely fortunate. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I want to share a headline from the New York Times yesterday. You probably can't see it, I will read it out to you. It says, builders said their homes were out of flood zone. Then Harvey came. According to the article, these homes were built on wetlands. Also according to the New York Times article, the FEMA flood maps have long been considered highly inaccurate. It states, this development proves that even with the mapping rules are followed to the letter, the results can be disastrous. Scientists in other parts of the country are finding the same thing. Huge numbers of properties outside FEMA flood zones are flooding. NOAA's Office of Water Prediction oversees an effort to update the nation's rainfall data using better methods and a longer rainfall history. The updated rainfall estimates and the new flood maps they will enable aren't, unfortunately, ready for publication yet. The other problem with flood maps is that they don't consider the effects of climate change. A warmer planet means rainfall patterns are changing. We must study the impact of this proposed development in more details. The game has changed. Since this application was submitted and planners considered the impact, they have, there have been new findings, and we must ensure we do not build a new Houston. West Miramar is already overbuilt and overpopulated as it is. We don't need another 100 acres of houses and roads to replace our forest that absorbs storm water for the region. Now, the developer, and maybe some of you are thinking, but we are following all rules and regulations, but so did the Houston Develops and Planners. The results were disastrous. I please ask you to deny this application.
0: Thank you, Jude. Oops. Our next speaker is Glenn Rice. Sorry about this. (laughs) Let me figure this out. Reset. Okay, back. Glenn Rice. Hi, how are you? Yeah. i just like hearing the bells so it's yeah no, i know
27: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah okay I, I wanted to talk tonight or today about the the quality of life and i concur with the the, the past people that have come up here and spoke against lenore uh, i'm not a doctor but you know we, we talk about the the mental health of of the residents that it's affecting you know, uh, i experienced it the other day although i'm retired i went. For the heck of it, I went on I-75 southbound in regards to the traffic, and it was it was atrocious. It took me 30 minutes to get from uh, to get onto I-75 actually southbound. Uh, again, I didn't have a I wasn't pressured to go anywhere, but it was it was aggravating, and I, and I see my friends here that all have come to speak against this. Uh, I see them have a heightened, elevated hypertension over this. It's just created. Uh, I call it health issues uh, amongst us discussing it, and we also have in our local elected officials. No one has listened to us, so I think what's happened is tonight, uh, today they've come here to ask you—you're probably our last resource—to say no to this um, to to Lenore. Again, like I said, our elected officials have turned our local ones have turned a a deaf ear to us. We only have one that has supported. our concerns about the safety, about the traffic, uh, the congestion, and um, so, I, again, in closing, I would just, uh, I think that we're coming here as our last uh, venue of support for us to say no to Lenoir. And I wanna thank you all for listening.
0: Okay, Th- thank you, Glenn. Next, we, uh, we're gonna try that video again of uh, Nick Vermont's, or or not, yes? <laughs>
17: Okay. Just give
24: me a second here. Exploring all avenues in an attempt to prevent Lennar developers from building 385 homes on the last piece of undisturbed wetlands in western Miramar. We have examined the traffic nightmare on Miramar Parkway and Dykes Road as motorists approach I-75. We have dodged aggressive drivers at the intersections where Miramar Parkway crosses 172nd Avenue and 184th Avenue. We have studied the ill effects that Lennar's construction plans will have on 4,000 students at Everglades High School and Glades Middle School, which lie right across 172nd Avenue from the proposed construction site. But our cries have fallen on deaf ears. Perhaps we have now discovered the savior that may protect our wetland and prevent Lennar from completing this totally unwanted and unnecessary construction of 385 homes in our neighborhood the burrowing owl this species has been declining over the past 30 years in florida and is now protected by law from having their homes destroyed these are actual videos that i took in early november of 2017. at least two burrowing owls reside in left center field on one of the ballparks inside miramar regional park As you can see, their burrow is in close proximity to the newly constructed amphitheater, where hundreds of visitors go to experience concerts. Also right next to their dwelling is a cleanup project started by the city of Miramar to store debris from Hurricane Irma on an unfinished parking lot until it can be hauled away. Burrowing owls like to live in open areas with low vegetation similar to many sections of the undeveloped wetland where Lennar plans to do its construction. They nest in loose colonies about a hundred yards apart. They feed on insects, small mammals, amphibians, and reptiles. They hunt while walking or running across the ground and often swoop down from a perch near their burrow in an attempt to catch insects in the air. They chuckle and bob their heads when they are excited or distressed. Their greatest threat is habitat destruction caused by land development. Despite their protected status, burrowing owls are often displaced and their burrows destroyed during the development process. Because of increased suburban expansion, an additional hazard to the owls is the presence of automobiles in the vicinity of their homes. As you can see, the development site is only several hundred yards from where these owls have been spotted. To protect them, we can restrict the use of pesticides, since burrowing owls feed on insects. Furthermore, pesticides contaminate the food available to the burrowing owl. We can also attract them to areas by exposing soil, adding sand to the land, and building tea perches to draw them into these areas where they will construct new burrows. And of course, the one thing we must do is prevent unnecessary construction in areas near where these animals now live.
0: Thank you, Nick. Um, our last speaker is Dennis Mealy. Thank
28: you. Uh, Dennis we do, Mealy. We do
0: have three others after you That it, for questions only, just so everybody knows. Okay. Okay, Dennis. Uh,
28: we all set? Oh. Hit that. Okay. Uh, Dennis Mealy, 200 East Broward Boulevard, on behalf of the applicant. Uh, just a couple of quick items. Um, I have a bunch of slides, but I know you have a long agenda. Let me just try to address some of the things that have already been said. Uh, So the first speaker said there was no uh, protected wetlands in Broward County. There's uh, approximately 2,240 in the city of Miramar. I'm sorry. There's approximately 2,240 protected acres of wetlands in the city of Miramar, uh, west of this site, north of this site. It's on the Broward County wetlands map. I can show you the map if you'd like to see it. Uh, Secondly, there was a comment made that the traffic is, is bad in the area. Uh, we have followed, and the Broward County Planning Council and the MPO have followed your standard procedure. Uh, there is no road that is a level of service E or F where we have more than 3% of the capacity on that road. According to your rules, there is no road improvements required of us. Notwithstanding that, we have agreed to several road improvements requested by the city of Miramar, and we agreed to make those conditions of approval here at the county as well which means we will have to execute a restrictive covenant guaranteeing that we make those improvements. In addition, all of the improvements we make are required to be done before we receive the first CO for the first house in our development. Secondly, there are a number of road improvements underway now with DOT and other governmental agencies, all of which are scheduled to be finished prior to us receiving the first CO for the first house in our development. So before anyone moves into this property, our road improvements will be done, and the DOT road improvements will be done. One of the speakers mentioned a correction to the county report that indicated that uh, Miramar Parkway between Dykes Road and I-75 is currently level of service C and in the future will be level of service C. It's true that it is not level of service C now because it's under construction, but they're actually widening that road, improving that interchange, and when it's done, it will be level of service C. And that work is going to be done before we get the first CO for the first house in our development. So I don't think that the correction really makes a difference in this case. Uh, There's been a number of discussions about wildlife at this hearing and at previous hearings. Every picture that has been shown of any animal has not been on our site. Uh, At the Planning Council hearing, we presented evidence that showed we have no threatened or endangered species on this property. The Planning Council included in their motion that we have the county EPD staff come out to the site to verify that what we were saying is correct. The county EPD staff has been out to the site with our consultant. They're here today. It is my understanding they will confirm we have no burrowing owls, we have no wood storks, we have no alligators, we have no key deer, nor do we have any of the other animals that have been suggested in prior hearings. Uh, We will not have any blasting on this property. Blasting is illegal in Broward County. The blasting that is going on in the Lake Belt, uh, Mayor, could I just finish? I don't have much more. Uh, the, uh, the blasting that's been going on in Dade County and the lake belt's been going on for over 30 years. It was going on prior to any of the homes that are around us being built. So it's there. It's a fact of life. There's nothing we can do about it. Of course, we notify all of our buyers of any potential problems in the area, including blasting.
0: Okay. Thank you, Dennis. Um, Dennis, thank you. You
28: know, I'm, I'm the only speaker for the applicant, um, and usually you, you all give me a chance to finish.
0: I, gave, I, I have to be fair with this and make sure that everybody gets the same amount. I know you're the only one. Okay. We do have three other from the other side if they would like to speak.
28: We'll be here. Now, if you have any questions, we'll be yeah. here to answer. That's fine. Thanks. Thank
0: Thanks. Okay. Commissioner Rich?
12: Yeah. There's been a lot of mention about the wetland about the quality or the wetlands here. Uh, my understanding is that what is there. Is invasive Malaluca. So I'd like you to comment on what kind of wetlands we're talking about, because uh, uh, I'm very supportive of mitigation for any lost wetlands, but invasive Malaluca is an entirely different thing.
28: Um, the site is covered with Malaluca trees. In fact, if you look at your uh, county wetland map prior to 2004, it showed the entire site as Malaluca. Now what happened after 2004? After 2004, Univision, which owns this property and has radio antennas on the site, requested a a wetland permit application for the sole reason of clearing the vegetation under the wires for the towers. That clearing for those wires, I'll show you a picture, is very minimal, and the rest of the site is still all Malaluka. The reason we don't have any wildlife Is because they can't get in there. The trees, there there you go. So you see our site, and you see the little roadway coming in that services the the service building for the towers, and then you see that little H shape. Those are the towers, and the wires under the towers. That's the only area that was cleared. Everything else on this site is Malaluka. The county staff was out here recently with our consultant. I would ask you to ask them if I'm telling you the correct answer. And of course, Melaleuca, I'm sure everyone knows, we are required to remove it by state law and by county ordinance. When you develop your site, you must remove the Melaleuca. Okay. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Dennis. Do you, do you have a question of yes. M- Mr. Mealy? Yes. Okay. Commissioner Hollis.
3: The issue was raised coming, of I didn't know you were asking. the fact that the property needs to go to, the buildings has to be at 8.5 feet above sea level. Uh, and the site's now four feet, how will you get there?
28: Well, in any development where you're taking raw land in Broward County and turning it into housing, you're going to have to raise the the elevation of your site. The way you do that is by digging lakes. So there's been an assumption made that all of the filling for this site is going to be brought in on trucks. We're actually digging lakes on the property. You take that fill, you put it on the rest of the property, and that's how you fill it. Now, you always look for a fill balance where you're neither importing or exporting fill. If you do, that's perfect. If you don't, you may import a little. Uh, usually you can't export because city codes don't uh, allow it. But I think to assume that we're trucking all this fill in is not accurate. Uh,
3: the other question, I don't know if it's a uh, county attorney. Uh, one suggestion was that the uh, land be turned into a mitigation bank. Isn't there some uh, legal property rights issues that would be faced if uh, we were to force that issue? Yes.
0: Okay, Commissioner Sharif, and then Commissioner Vice Mayor Bowden.
18: Thank you. Um, So the first thing I wanted to to ask uh, Mr. Mealy, when we spoke about this project, we talked about the traffic congestion that was brought forth by the concerned citizens of Miramar. And um, there were four projects that you cited in your presentation um, to, m- to myself in regards to the traffic congestion. So can you just kind of go through those projects really quickly?
28: Yes, uh, there's a map up on the screen now that shows you the improvements that are being made by government agencies. The first one at the top is already finished, that's the Pembroke Road overpass over I-75. And please keep in mind when we did our original traffic study, Pembroke Road overpass was not open yet. So uh, the traffic should actually be better than what was shown in our study now that the road's open. Secondly, um, I-75 is being widened to add express lanes. Currently in the area south of Miramar Parkway, uh, I believe between ramps and lanes, there's five lanes. Once it's done, there'll be eight between ramps and lanes, including the express lanes, the regular travel lanes, and then there'll be a two-lane ramp from uh, eastbound Miramar Parkway onto I-75. In addition, there are interchange improvements at I-75 and Miramar Parkway that are still underway. Uh, The ramps, DOT tells us that those ramps are complete and the approaches to the ramps are complete, but the receiving lanes on I-75 are not complete yet. That's why it hasn't opened. As soon as they're complete, it will open. As I mentioned earlier, the one road that the staff gave you as a correction and additional agenda material was Miramar Parkway between Dykes Road and I-75, that is under construction right now. When it's complete, uh, the improvement will be there and the level of service will be improved. Uh, And you notice on this slide the dates that all these things are going to be finished. Uh, In addition, we are making a number of improvements. Uh, Bass Creek Road does not exist now between 172nd and 184th. We will be building it. Uh, Contrary to what the earlier speaker said, we are not taking any property by eminent domain. We are building it in public right-of-way. You'll also notice there are lakes north of that road. We are not touching those lakes. Those lakes are on private property, not owned by us. We will not be going there. We have no right to go on that property. We'll also be making uh, an improvement at the intersection of Bass Creek Road and 172nd Avenue. We agreed at the Planning Council meeting that we will put a traffic signal there at our expense if it's warranted by Broward County. At least so far it doesn't appear that it would be warranted because the traffic is not high enough for enough hours of the day. But we said that if a traffic signal is not warranted, we will put in a traffic circle. Currently Bass Creek and 172nd is a stop sign controlled intersection and in the hour before school in the morning and after school in the afternoon it gets pretty tough to go through there. All the traffic engineers agree that the traffic circle will make it work better. At the Planning Council meeting, we were also asked to meet with the school board safety staff to make sure that uh, safe crosswalks could be built near the traffic circle to get kids to Everglades High, which is right across the street. We did meet with the school board safety staff. They told us where they want the crosswalks, and we're going to put them exactly where they said. And they said in that basis it will be safe. Um, one so, more improvement, uh, Commissioner. Um, At the corner of 160th, or Dykes Road is also known, and Miramar Parkway, we are adding a traffic signal improvement and adding a a second eastbound right-turn lane because a lot of people come north on 160th, turn right onto Miramar Parkway, and then get on I-75 southbound. So we're making all those improvements again prior to our first CO.
18: Right, that's one of the things I want to ask. So before your first occupant takes over and moves into a house, all of these traffic improvements that are mentioned on this piece of paper are going to be completed?
28: That's correct.
18: Um, okay, so at, at what rating would that leave that those roads? What rating are those roads going to be at that time on 172nd Avenue, 184th Avenue? What, what would those ratings be with the traffic improvements?
28: Can I ask our traffic engineer to come up and answer the question? He has signed one of the sheets.
0: Okay. okay. Thank you. The, please so, state your name and... thank you. Just for the
29: record, I'm Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, Joaquin Vargas with Traftech Engineering. Uh, there's, there's three intersections. The Bass Creek Road, 172nd, is currently a failure intersection because of a stock condition. With the traffic circle and this development, it will be at an accept a level of service B. So from failing today to B with this development. We also have failure at the intersection of Miramar Parkway and 184. Uh, that also is going to be improved with signalization. That We have also talked to Broward County Traffic Engineering about that to an acceptable level of service. The intersection of uh, Dikes and, uh, and Miramar Parkway, uh, the determination of the ultimate level of service has not been determined because we have to do a post-study now that the Pembroke Road overpass has been built, but at least it over-mitigates the impacts that we have at that intersection. Uh, The additional trips that we're adding to that intersection are less than the additional capacity benefit provided by the improvements that are shown on that graphic.
18: On Miramar Parkway and 184th, um, you said that currently it's a a failure. It's an F, but what is going to be after your improvements?
29: It's going to be D, and the failure at that intersection is caused. There is a significant amount of Vehicles going southbound on 184, turning left to go east on Miramar Parkway, mm-hmm. and that particular um, uh, movement is not going to be impacted by this development. the The issue is the current timing that uh, that the county has at that location. We've talked to traffic engineering; they agreed to uh, modify uh, that timing and also coordinating it with the intersection of 172nd. And with those improvements, uh, it's going to be a little service D, which is acceptable. I should point out that the improvement that uh, this development is doing on Bass Creek Road, which is connecting it from 184 to 172nd, is projected to relieve Miramar Parkway in that intersection as well. That was not taken into account in our analysis.
18: So how soon will you be able to come back with the analysis for the Dykes Road and Miramar Parkway um, intersection?
28: Um, The problem that we've had is the road has been under construction, and all of the traffic engineers tell us that to do a count on a road like that, you have to wait until the construction's done and traffic returns to normal. So we have already committed that as soon as that construction is done, we'll wait a couple of weeks or whatever the appropriate time is, and then we'll go out there and do the count. Also remember that we would not do the count in the summer when school's out because you wouldn't get an accurate reading, and we certainly wouldn't do it like over a Christmas holiday or something like that because you wouldn't get an accurate reading. But by the time, before we come back here for a second reading, the construction should be done and we should be able to do the count and check the numbers.
18: Okay, and then my last question to close would be, um, there was a mention about the safe way to schools in terms of what are you going to do on this particular site to make sure that it is safe because of the schools um, located around there Mm. and to minimize any effects um, on the children going to
28: those schools? So, again, here's our site, and then that red line is Bass Creek Road. In addition to building Bass Creek Road, of course, we're going to be building a sidewalk uh, on our side of Bass Creek Road to connect with the sidewalk that's on the south side of that road west of us, so students would be able to walk, say, from Sunset Lakes uh, all the way across uh, a sidewalk going all the way to the school. In addition, you see where we have the traffic circle. When we met with the school board safety staff, they told us where they want us to put the crosswalks, So when a student is crossing 172nd from our location uh, over to the school, that there's a safe crossing to get to the school. And we've agreed to put the crosswalks exactly where they said. As a result, the school board staff tells us that it will meet the safe walk to school program. What happens is if you live beyond two miles from a site, you're entitled to be bused to school. If there's not a safe walking path and you do live within the two miles, you still would be bused to school. So obviously... They want people that live within two miles to be able to walk, and we're going to be building the sidewalks and crosswalks so they can do so.
0: Thank Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mealy.
28: So
18: that concludes my questions for Mr. Mealy, but I would like to ask, Mayor, if I could have, um, through Ms. Henry, Barbara Blakeboy from the Planning Council.
12: Ms. Blakeboy.
18: Hi, Ms. Blakeboy. I just had two questions in regards to the Planning Council um, decisions, one at Broward County. Um, I asked uh, if the Planning Council had approved this project in regards to some of the concerns that were uh, brought up in terms of the traffic congestion. As well as um, uh, effects on um, wetlands, that type of thing, and I received a couple of Uh, attachments that were um, placed onto item 46 and I just wanted to confirm anyway for the public uh, what your understanding was from the Planning Council in regards to this project um, was there any issue with the transportation and mobility um, section of the project related to the Planning Council's meetings
30: Uh, no we according to the Barrett County land use plan and the adopted policy 2.14.9 Um, What that says is when we review a land use plan amendment for the long range impacts, in this case we're talking about the year 2040, um, we take the number of trips, the estimated 385 net net trips, we send it to the MPO, we ask them to model that on the long range model. Uh, When we receive those results, we do a review of each link on the regional transportation network as opposed to the intersection, so what our plan calls for is a segment link as opposed to the intersection. So with that, we identified three links that were significantly impacted, which met the criteria of the policy and the plan. But what we found is that they were not adversely impacted in the long range. Um, the, they will be operating in an acceptable level of service and long range 2040.
18: Okay. And then the second thing is I requested, I asked a question in regards to the wetland mm-hmm. as far as this being deemed a wetland and um, if there was any protected or endangered wildlife on there. Mm-hmm. And I received an answer to that and I just wanted you to go ahead and clarify that as well.
30: Sure. Also as part of the land use plan amendment review, um, we send the uh, proposed amendment site to the environmental protection and growth management uh, department and then they issue a report that's included in your backup materials. Part of that is the Um, the uh, anticipated impact to wetlands in that report it does not state the quality Um, it is indicated on the map that the wetlands map the adopted wetlands map that this is that this site um, is under licensing for a couple of the acres the additional information um, that was submitted regarding wetlands um, was submitted on behalf of the applicant prepared by their um, by their consultant that information that was provided in the report, is, my understanding, was just confirmed by the county staff um, last week or the week before. They were out at the site to confirm the um, the Malaleuca and the status of that on the site.
18: Are there any um, protected species of animals on this site?
30: I'm not aware of protected species or endangered species on the site. Simply based on what the applicant has provided, there is not. If this amendment is submitted to is transmitted by the County Commission to the state of Florida review agencies one of the review agencies is the the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and they would um, that would be a consideration for for their review and we receive any comments back at that time if there was any endangered species um, by the federal or state uh, law
18: okay and then I also have on attachment six a letter from the um, historic resources, um, and they did an analysis to find out if there was any archaeological or historical um, resources on the area um, or areas of archaeological or paleontological um, sensitivity, and they said that there were none. Is that concurrent with what um, our conclusions were?
30: That's consistent with our conclusion.
18: Okay. All right. That's that's it from me, Mayor. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Thank you.
0: Uh, Vice Mayor Bogan. Then Commissioner, you
31: I want to ask Dennis a couple of questions. Mr. Mealy, you, you said that, um, that one of the, condi- the conditions for approval were by the applicant to, as you showed earlier, to make road improvements. Is that correct? That's correct. And also that the DOT, the F, FDOT, would also make improvements.
28: The, uh, the FDOT improvements are already under construction. That's and the I-75. I-75 um, and the interchange improvement okay. as well.
31: So so just to clarify, when you say condition, is there something in writing that evidences that condition?
28: Uh, What happened was when we were at the city of Miramar, the city's motion to transmit included the conditions that we make all of the road improvements that I showed that we are making, and that is in as part of their backup. When I was at the Planning Council meeting, I committed to those same improvements as a condition for the county's uh, consideration of the amendment. So what will happen is if you were to pass the motion, with that condition, prior to um, the recertification of the city plan, we would have to enter into a restrictive covenant that could only be amended or terminated with county commission approval that would guarantee that we made those road improvements prior to the first CL.
31: Okay, because I'm looking at our backup, and it says here that the Planning Council recommended approval subject to the applicant's voluntary commitments, and so um, what you're saying is it's not going to be vo- – it's voluntary, but there will be something, as you're saying, the restrictive covenant to man- mandate that it happens.
28: Whenever we make a voluntary commitment as part of a land use amendment, whether it's for traffic or anything else, it's uh, memorialized by a restrictive covenant.
31: Okay, great. Um, second question. Let's fast forward. Every, all the road improvements are made. They start building homes. And people buy the homes. People are living there and now there's, a, you know, now there's a traffic disaster. Let's just say there's a lot of traffic out. When would a post-CO study be done?
28: Well, the city of Miramar actually required that we monitor certain um, sections of roads near us to deal with just that issue. I also want to point out that this property is in a portion of the county where you still handle traffic concurrency the old traditional way. So when we uh, file for our plat there will be another review of traffic in this area. As Ms. Blake Boy told you, the review the Planning Council does is a long range view to 2040. When we come in with the plat application, your planning staff will do a shorter range view to see if there's any other improvements that are needed to meet traffic concurrency.
31: Okay, but my question is specifically, the, the development is built out, everybody's living in there, and I live across the street, and it's a traffic nightmare. Is there a study that, that is memorial that will be uh, guaranteed to be done, paid for by who, by an uncertain date?
28: Um, we, we are required by the city of Miramar. Joaquin. Do you recall how long afterwards? Wait, wait, one second, I'll get the piece of paper off. Sorry. Cindy, would you find out if bring it up? Um, Vice Mayor, she's finding I'll, I want to give Thank you the you. exact language from the City of Miramar uh, approval.
31: While you're standing there, so is the city obviously the City of Miramar has approved this. The Broward Planning Council has approved this. Yes. Okay, uh, just to confirm it. And then um, I'll wait...
28: The gentleman who just brought this to me is the planning director of the city of Miramar. Thank you, Aaron. Um, the condition that we have with the city of Miramar requires that um, prior to the issuance of the last CO, but not later than January 1, 2022, whichever first occurs, um, that we will do this traffic study you're describing that analyzes a number of conditions in these roadways in the area.
31: Your applicant will be paying for that? That's correct. And it's, it states that, that your applicant will be paying for that, correct?
28: All of these requirements that the city of Miramar gave us, other than okay. the things being built by DOT, are at our Okay, spot.
31: so play it forward. The traffic study shows there's a problem. Then what?
28: Uh, then the city can recommend additional improvements that would be our requirement to make.
31: And uh, is it memorialized in there that, that if the city does recommend additional improvements, that the applicant will be required to make that? yes. Can you please show me where it says that? Because I didn't see it. All
28: right, what I'm going to bring you is the City of Miramar agenda item for when this land use amendment was on their agenda. Remember okay. that none of the road improvements that we've talked about were required by the MPO or Broward County Planning Council review. We said we're already making these improvements for Miramar, so we'll agree to have them be conditions for the county as well. So what we did is the city of Miramar had a letter from their traffic engineer, which they actually made part of uh, the city ordinance for this land use amendment. Um, It's got temporary ordinance number 1661, and it lists all these things I was just describing. Okay, and it says in paragraph number five, if the study indicates that LOS failures still occur, that means level of service failures for the road, The owner-developer will be required to complete any additional improvements required for the intersection and movements to operate at level of service D or better prior to the issuance by the city of the last CL.
31: And at that intersection, what is it now? Is it a a C or a D? What is that intersection at now?
28: I think this is the one that is currently F but supposed to be improved to C with the improvement that DOT is making. But I think the theory is: What if DOT makes the improvements? What if we build our development? What if it doesn't get it back to D or better? Then we have to do something to correct that.
31: So just to re- recap: If I'm living in in a neighborhood where these people are living here, and and there's a as they say, it happens is that it's built out, people move in here, and it's a traffic nightmare. And your your client is going to be doing paying for the study, and it shows there's a problem. Your client will then be responsible for taking the financial responsibility to correct it with, uh, you know, make the corrective uh, measures for those roadways.
28: That's correct. And what I want to say, what is very unique about this, uh, in the over 35 years that I've been involved in land use amendments in Broward County, I've not seen one before that had one of these look-back provisions where after you're done, you go out there and check it again, and if it doesn't turn out the way you thought, you have to fix it. This is the first time I've ever seen that done, and we agreed to do it.
17: Thank you.
5: Commissioner Udine and then Commissioner Marka. Thank you, Mayor. Um, a lot of my questions have been answered, but there and, and we hashed these exact issues out on the Planning Council. So but I just wanted to add a couple other things from the Planning Council that I that I want to bring to this board. Um, and nor- so, When we get our Planning Council back up, it's a a document, obviously you all know the document, it's from each discipline that they would look at, schools, roads, whatever it is. And the school one is always of particular interest to me because being in Northwest Broward, it's a huge issue when there's any new development with schools in our area. Because the way that the school board works is they go by regions. They don't go by specific school. So if you're in Region A and they give the developer a letter that says there's room in Region A, then the developer has met their concurrency there, and that's that. But in reality, what happens is even though Region A may be okay, if your specific school is not okay, that's where the neighborhoods come out, and there's a whole huge problem later. And I've been dealing with this for the better part of the last decade in Northwest Broward. This specific land-use amendment was different because there are three schools that service this area. And these three specific schools were all well under-enrolled. And I know that there was a a woman that came and spoke about um, this issue as far as the number that the demographics of the school board added. Even if that number came in low and, and the number came in higher from what really showed up, from what there was, these three specific schools would still meet the level of service that would be adequate, even assuming the number was much higher than what came in from this project. With that said, I never believe the school board's demographic offices when they do these numbers, so I'm very skeptical. But they've turned out to be right in Northwest Broward, as much as I don't like to believe them. When we've looked back, they've turned out to be correct. So that was an issue that was of concern to me, that they satisfied to me. The other issue that when we keep hearing about schools is this traveling to schools during the construction process um i think that the city of miramar is that that is an issue that they can easily monitor i mean there can be we've done infill projects we've done school projects we've done projects where they've done construction near a school and it just hasn't been an issue and i think that this is something that can be worked out with the city of miramar they may want construction trucks to be on premises before seven in the morning. They may want them after a certain time. I think that's something that can be worked out with the local uh, municipality. Um, and, and I also, I would have liked to have had the benefit in Northwest Broward of this look back provision as far as traffic and, and on the roads. And I, I think that's a big benefit. Um, for the, the the residents that they're building there. Like I said at the Planning Coalition, I think the Miramar Coalition has done one of the better jobs of, of opposing the, the, I think that they're thorough and they're well thought out. I just happen to, looking at the evidence, kind of disagree with them on this. I think that this project is actually going to be a benefit to property values in the area. It's getting rid of a huge issue with the Malaluka, and if If there were 385 homes there now, and they said they were going to switch that to build the towers that are on there now, we'd have a chamber packed of people saying that they do not want the towers there. They're taking these towers down, and they're building. This is an improvement that's going to improve property values in the area. So I'm going to vote when it's time to vote to transmit this to the state for further review. And uh, I would encourage the city of Miramar, like I know they will. They have good elected officials there. To work with the local citizens to minimize the impact on, on those residents. Thank you, Mayor.
0: Commissioner Lamarca.
2: Thank you, Mayor. Might, might I ask uh, Mr. Mealy to check sure. up? Um, Mr. Mealy, um, actually, also, uh, Ms. Blake Boy, I guess, maybe ask you both to come up. Ms. Henry. Ms. That Boy. Way, that way I don't have to ask individually. Um, what what is the comparison of uh this project with respect uh, in comparison with the uh, Silver Lakes uh well the the two properties that were uh on top of that, on that map, the left and right. So, in comparison, what are the lot sizes in square footage? Sure.
30: So, the lot sizes first. This is the future land use. Um, the map. This okay. Is, this depicts a, as agricultural now, and the proposed change is to a density overall density of 3.21 um, dwelling units per acre. Um, so, you can see from the future land use map, the surrounding densities um, are lower densities, mm-hmm. 3.06. It's a large dashed line area to the east. Lower density, low three on the north side of the property. Um, a state one to the south, and um, 1.5 further west of the state one piece. Um, The analysis for the the lot size was actually, it was submitted by the applicant, this... um, this graphic that's depicted um, on the monitors right now, but we, um, we did go through and just make sure that uh, we agreed with the average lot sizes. So in comparison, the, lot, the average lot size for this property is estimated at just over 7,100 square feet. And then you'll see all the surrounding developments are anywhere between um, 60, uh, 5,600 square feet um, up to surrounding average lot sizes of 10,000 square feet. One of the things I found when I looked at different lots within the different developments is they do vary in size also. That's why it's an average lot size. Some of the developments have lots that are um, 5,000 square feet, and then some have them that go up to 14,000 square feet. So That's you see average. the whole range, but it's consistent okay. with the development in the area.
2: Okay, so the density isn't isn't extremely different than the, the existing neighborhoods. Um, the, an- the question was asked and answered with regard to a response to the protected area uh, or the wetland um, so I won't go into that, but the, uh, you know, I guess the, the question I ask myself when I look at this, and I've, I live east, I've always lived east, whether it was Fort Lauderdale or, or north of there where I am now, and, and there is no, I mean, there is no more building. It's already dense. It's already built out. Um, the only change is if somebody knocks a property down and, and rebuilds. So if we if we look at what is, what is being discussed here, um, Points being made by the community, which are, which again, as, as Commissioner Udine said, uh, were well organized, well thought out. But but I, I look at it from a different perspective and trying to be uh, objective. You know, the question would be, what were the surrounding areas before these other homes were built? I mean, this this process is, is is going to be such that somebody's going to be last. Does it make them less of a resident, less of a concerned citizen, less? less of an activist when something comes up when when they move into that neighborhood, but there's going to ultimately be somebody who's last until we can't build anymore. Um, so Mike, you know, as, as I look at it, we talked about uh, the elevations. We talked about homes built on areas that were, um, the word wetland was used, but we'll just, we'll just say uh, unbuilt areas. And so maybe I can ask uh, Miss Blake Boy, that. Areas surrounding all of these areas: Silver Shores, Silver Isles, um, Nautica. Prior to, really, prior to the uh, completion of that interstate that wasn't there before, but but went, uh, west of Interstate 75, what was what was all that property prior?
30: Um, a majority of the property um, was agricultural land uses. Um, it, that to the review show almost. Mm-hmm. I would say 98% of it was a subject of a land use plan amendment, sometimes during the 90s or early 2000s. The latest one was the um, Sunset Falls piece um, to the south and uh, and west. Uh, that kind of uh, squirt, the almost square around the lake, um, that was in 2005. But they've all been subject to a Barrett County land use plan amendment subject to the same review um, that we're going through today.
2: Okay, um, I, I, I guess my point would be that if you bought a Condominium downtown, condominium downtown Fort Lauderdale or um, in a more of an urban area and you had a view 360 degrees around you when you bought the penthouse and you thought you're never going to lose your view somebody puts a 45 story building up next to your 35 story building and guess what um, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to say this other than if we're not harming the environment we're not uh, we're looking into the traffic issues where we're going to be considerate uh, especially even looking back as you said um, I don't know how you tell somebody who uh, is coming in a sequential order from development in an area that they can't build something. So I'm going to be supportive of it as well. And, and, and quite honestly, um, it's, it's these type of things that I understand why they're here, but where they really need to be uh, hashed out, if you will. Uh, I don't want to say litigated because I have an attorney a couple seats down for me that might say that's not the right term. But, but where they really should be uh, they f- should find a resolution is right there in the city where they're, they're going to take place, and I mean I understand that we're the, the county and that this this process comes to us, um, but a lot of times folks come here to have uh, something changed from where they uh, couldn't have it uh, couldn't couldn't make it happen in their municipality. So I'm going to be supportive of it as well. Okay.
0: Commissioner Sharif,
18: sorry, I just have one more question, and that was. Um, I'm going to have one for Dennis Mealy, and then, if it's possible, Mayor, if I have the um, Boy, Eric Boy, how things Sil- change.
0: Eric Silk. <laughs> 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 how things
18: change. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, I have, to,
18: I have to do this. I have to do this. Um, so, um, Mr. Mealy, how many phases of this project were there? How many phases? Yes. Where are we right now? Oh, I mean you mean in terms of the approval process? Yeah no, um, in terms of how many developments have you built over there? Oh um. I, th- I believe um, in the in my backup, I saw somewhere that this is number five. this is phase five of this project mm-hmm. that there was four others. Ms Blakeboy uh, oh, I'm not... Sorry.
30: Sorry. Um, I, this project is standalone the proposal that's in here today right um, so it wasn't I'm sure I'm not sure if there's some historical information that you're right so
18: for. what I was asking I was trying to get clarification on something that I saw in the backup where they were talking about how each of the developments around this particular project were built and that um, each section um, around the school was considered I guess a phase so what I'm just trying
28: to see um, so you see our property in the middle with the blue square. You see just to our right is the high school, and just to the right of that is the middle school. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of the developments on this that are labeled on this slide went through the same process we're going through now, as Miss Blake just told you. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, you might be looking at within the air Isles, Country Lakes West, Huntington area, uh, there were a number of different sections of that built, and I think there was a question at some point of when were the schools built. With respect to when were those sections of that development built, right? And I think most of the development sections were built prior to the school, the schools actually being built.
18: Okay, so developments first, then the schools came.
28: Basically, yes. Okay, all right. Thank
0: you, Mr. Milley One, one quick question for my, for me. Yes, sir. Um, my understanding is this, uh, the owner of this is still Univision, correct?
28: Univision owns the property. It is under contract for sale to Lennar.
0: And and the sale doesn't go through unless the land use goes through. That's correct. Okay. So it's being bought on spec.
28: Well, it's being bought Uh, the way way most of these are. I mean, when I look at that map that's up there now, uh, and I handled every one of those developments on that map other than Silver Lakes, uh, when Sunset Lakes was done, it was owned by a company called Miramar Rock. Okay. It was under con- uh, contract to the Atlantic Gulf communities. They didn't close until the approvals were granted. Same thing's true in basically all of these others.
0: Okay, I mean, and I say that because I do, have, I do respect property rights. If somebody has bought something and, and it has been, however it has been when they bought it, you know, they, that's uh, what they can expect for, to, for it to be. They cannot expect that it is always going to be that or that it can be changed. Um, and i i 'm going to end up on the uh, thank you that's that 's all I need. thank you uh, i i think i 'm going to be in the minority on this but because there 's so little undeveloped land in in this county, and there is very few chances to preserve that this is this is someone who is going to be is only going to buy this if all of this takes place right now otherwise it would stay agricultural and the and the present owner has made plenty of money with the cell towers. Um, so they, they know exactly what they have, and, and that's not going to change. And there are, there are possibilities. If, if, we, if we kind of stand our ground here and there, we are actually able to preserve some of the undeveloped land in this county. So No, no clapping, sorry. Um, and I think we, when, when, when those chances are available, my own feeling is what, what we have committed ourselves to with Climate Action Check task force and with, with our climate action um, plan is exactly, this is one of those instances where this can take place. And so I'm I am actually going to be voting in the minority on this, I believe. But um, I'm going to close the public hearing at this point and uh, t- have, I'll entertain a motion at this point. I, okay. I have a
1: question
0: of the attorney first.
18: Okay. County attorney, I just want to clarify something. With Univision owning this property, does that give us any, any rights to deny the applicant to move forward? I mean, is that something that's within our purview to do, is to deny this altogether?
7: This is a legislative decision, so the board has broad discretion. But as uh, Commissioner Holness asked, there would be concerns if, if action uh, ultimately could be deemed to be a regulatory taking. Or, or certainly if there were an express taking. Uh, so we would have uh, concerns about that, but it is something that uh, the board does have broad discretion on.
0: Okay. I have a motion to approve. Commission. Commissioner Lamarco, do I have a second? Okay.
20: Okay. Mr. Oh, Mr. Chair, second? I did not have a question, but I do want to be in queue to speak.
0: Okay. I have, we have a second from Commissioner Udine. Uh Discussion, Commissioner Geller?
20: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I was listening and I share the comments that several other commissioners have made about the, uh, good job that the, uh, citizens group in Miramar, uh, did on presenting this. However, having said that, you know, I'm on record in the past as having said that I don't think if the county commission brought Uh, ought to be in the business of reviewing the land use decisions. Broward is the only county in the state that has that provision. Uh, I have historically been in favor of giving that local government, which is closest to the people, which in this case is the city, the authority to make land use decisions. In this case, the city has approved it. The planning council has approved it, staff has recommended it, not raised any objections. Uh, and uh, while listening carefully, each of the arguments that have been made about traffic and, and, uh, the endangered species seem to have been thoroughly rebutted. In fact, while I understand that there will be traffic, it sounds like the improvements that are being made here will actually be improving the traffic that they will Have less impact. Excuse me. They will be reducing more impact than they will, in fact, be causing. Thus, resulting in net improvement. And although we heard about the, you know, the deer and the antelope playing on the property, uh, has been no evidence of that. And, And most importantly, Mr. Mayor, in in well, maybe not most importantly, but in your comments on preserving it. We're preserving Nawaluka, which we're supposed to be getting rid of. So for these reasons, I have not heard anything today that has persuaded me to overrule local government, which is something I am traditionally reluctant to do on land use issues. So I'll be voting in, in support.
0: Thank you, Commissioner. We've all had a chance to speak. I'd like to move this along. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. All those opposed? Aye. Okay, that uh, is an eight-to-one vote with uh, me in the negative. Okay, thank you all for coming today. We're going to go to item number 47, I'm going to open up the public hearing.
18: Something's playing. I heard some music. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to open up the public hearing on number 47. It's a motion to adopt resolution amending the administrative rules document, Broward County Land Use Plan, the substance of which is as follows. A resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, relating to the administrative rules document, Broward County Land Use Plan, providing rules for implementation and administration of the Broward next plan. Um, I have opened the public hearing. Is there anyone who would like to speak on that in the public? Seeing none, I'll take it. I'll entertain a motion. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. Item number 48, I would like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, designating the Buzzard's Roost Archaeological Site, a historical resource. Is there anyone in the public that would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll take a motion. Move it. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. That passes unanimously. Um, item number 49, uh, I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to consider enactment of an enactment of an an ordinance the title of which is as follows an ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County Florida pertaining to rabies registration amending sections 4-10 and 4-11 of the Broward County Code of Ordinances and we do have we do have one speaker to speak to this Michael Rayner.
32: Good afternoon Commissioners Uh, Mm -hmm. just a quick mention I did speak with uh, um, Bertha Henry just when I submitted a speaker's card, it's not an issue in terms of how many days the form has to get back as which the changes. But on the registration, I just wanted to share a quick experience. Um, my dog, which many of you know, she's quite famous on Facebook. I accidentally um, misgendered her one time when I went to um, a rabies clinic that was actually run by Broward County staff. And um, at the time, I was fostering a friend's dog as well, and it was homeless and it was trying to juggle all two dogs and everything at once, and um, I mistakenly filled out the form incorrectly. But when I tried to get that corrected after, uh, so that she was actually reflected as, uh, as she, instead of a, as a male dog, um, staff would not, at Animal Care, would not make the change, and they said you have to wait until the next you know time you renew um, the registration of the rabies shot, which I thought was a little ridiculous. There was no provision, I guess, within the ordinance or the procedure uh, to make that change so you're not running the clock but i'm finished and i oh, just I, wanted sorry. to make sure that that okay. you know somehow was reflected and addressed you could ring the bell if you want no.
0: thank you <laughs>
5: there
0: you go feel better okay yes commissioner you done?
5: Uh, I'm, I'm supportive of this obviously but one thing i'd like to add is uh after the hurricane my staff and i met with all the hospitals in our district another group we met with was a, some of the veterinarians in each of our city to see what we could do better as far as the hurricane. And and this issue kind of came up because one of the things that we require in our pet friendly shelter is proof of rabies vaccinations when they came in. So some of these veterinarians said they would like to even volunteer with the county to set up in front of these shelters. If somebody's there with a a dog and they don't have the certificate of rabies vaccination, but they want to board their dog during the hurricane, this veterinarian, he said there was a group of them that would actually give them the rabies shot, they're cool right there, and then they could go right in. So I'm going to support this, but I thought this was a good time to bring that up and something to look into. And I I can get you the names of some of the people I spoke to, because there's not that many pet-friendly shelters to begin with. I think that the logistics of this would be okay.
0: Okay. Um, Commissioner Rich.
12: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that... uh, 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 my name had been added as a co-sponsor on this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I do support this, um, and I think that, to follow up on what Commissioner Udine said, I think uh, part of our review of hurricane issues needs to be to look at uh, having more preparation for more pet-friendly shelters, because it was clear that, you know, the minute they open up and people are just not going to leave their pets, so uh, they'd rather stay home and, and you know, take their chances in their houses than, uh, you know, then leave their pets uh, alone. So uh, I just think that's something we need to, you know, make sure, and maybe that's just a part of what uh, you okay. so Commissioner,
0: you Commissioner Mark, this was your actually your item. Would you like to speak to this at all?
2: Mayor, thank you. Now, I'm, I'm uh, <clears throat> actually encouraged and very happy that uh, yourself and uh, Commissioner uh, Rich, really, and anyone else that was was interested in co-sponsoring this are, are um, Supportive of this 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 is something that has been it's taken a long time one of the one of the Issues that I had when when doing this and I spoke to quite a few of the local veterinarians and, and people in the animal uh, World that uh, that operate businesses here is that I was very careful that I didn't want to tell anybody how to run their business I also didn't want to tell someone that they have to perform a function that they may not see as being their function that really might be a a uh, Regulatory function of the county, but what what this does is it establishes a time frame for them to get the vaccination certificates to the county and, and, that, and that enables and really encourages the, the owners to uh, follow through with that process and get a, a registration tag. Why it was important that we do it is the registration tag uh, fees that have been uh, remitted to the county uh, when encouraging people to register their animals, not only as Commissioner Udine brought up, Hurricanes and uh, events where you may may be disconnected from your pets, but uh, because it's the right thing to do, this has enabled us to bring in quite a bit uh, more uh, in the area of spay and neuter. And really, why that's important is it's uh, it allows us to do the low and no cost spay and neuter at Broward County. And overall, if we're going to get to no kill, it's that we reduce the volume of. Uh, We reduce the number of of, uh, basically unwanted animals, or animals that uh, are not within uh, owner's hands. And and ultimately, we get a hold of that population. So we're getting closer and closer, and I think this is one way to continue to encourage that. So I'm just uh, happy everyone's supportive.
0: Okay, would you like to make a motion? Sure, motion Do I have a Second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Congratulations! That passes unanimously. Okay, we'll go to item number 50. I'd like to open up the public hearing. This is a motion to consider an enactment of an ordinance. The title of which is as follows: An ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County pertaining to surface water management systems. Uh, is there anybody in, this, in the audience that would like to speak to this? Seeing none, I'll close the public hearing. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any any opposed? I need a motion. Need a motion. Move.
1: I'll make a second.
0: a second. Okay, I have a motion and a second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That passes unanimously. And last one on the public hearing, we do it. Oh, we actually have. A, you know, um, we have a lot of people to speak to this too, as well. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do it. Uh, this is a motion to consider enactment of an ordinance. The title of which is as follows. Did I open up the public hearing on this? Yes. Okay. Um, Just in case I'm opening uh, opening up the public hearing this is a motion to consider enactment of an ordinance The title of which is as follows the ordinance of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida pertaining to the Broward County Human Rights Act and We have a number of speakers on this and I'm going to ask the speakers if I'm going to Limit it to two minutes on this because we have a lot to go and if you wanted I don't think there's going to be any Anybody against this, but let me change this to two Okay, first we have Kenya Robertson and then Michael Rayner and then Justin Nepala
19: Six.
13: Okay. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and good afternoon, uh, also honorable members of the commission. I'm just going to briefly share with you um, quickly, I got to meet... Uh, Vice President Mondale last month in Minneapolis, then-Senator, um, he is the one who ushered the Federal Fair Housing Act uh, into law almost 50 years ago this coming April. Um, and they sat him at the table next to me at a reception, and he asked me, did we do a good thing, and have we done good work with the fair housing laws? And I said, oh, absolutely. But as the housing market changes and as we become aware of of new obstacles to housing and other um, limitations to equal access to housing there's still more work to do and this ordinance recognizes that and does just that and I am in support of it and I'd like to thank Commissioners Rich and wholeness for sponsoring it and for the support uh, of it I ask of the rest of you and thank you for its consideration
0: thank you Kenya next speaker is Michael Rayner then Justin Napola and Winora Wilson michael floor is yours
32: good afternoon Uh, i serve as the vice chair of the county's human rights board speaking as an individual i just want to thank the commissioners for taking up this item today and supporting it Um, and really if there's any questions that you might have um, from us as you know justin also who's on the board as we looked at this in terms of what the human rights board looked at we're happy to answer any questions Um, we did take over a year to look at this it was difficult to get some stakeholders from the community engaged and to show up for um, some of the conversation, Um, but we did really work hard to reach out to different stakeholders to get them at the table.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Justin?
6: Love that bell. I do too. (laughs) Good morning Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. Um, I I am Justin Napola. I'm here as a private resident today, but I am the chair of the County Human Rights Board. I just want to thank you for considering expanding the protected classes in the county. The board is made up of a number of passionate, dedicated people who worked for a long time on this issue. Um, In particular, I don't know if you're aware, but if you pass this military status and veteran status will become, you'll become one of the first counties in the nation to protect those classes. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Justin. Next is Menorah. And then Ratesha comes. Oh, okay.
15: Good morning. My name is Winora Wilson, and I'm with Legal Aid Service of Broward County. And I'd like to thank all of you for taking this up, but particularly, you know, Senator. I mean, Commissioner Rich and Commissioner Holness for sponsoring this. And I wanted to speak specifically to the veteran military status part of this, if I might. Um, Currently, at Legal Aid, I'm in charge of the uh, Affordable Housing and Community Development Project. But Before that, for several years, I worked with the Supportive Services for Veteran Families Program, which is a partnership Legal Aid has with the United Way, administering a grant to protect, you know, to assist veterans that are with, you know, housing and other issues. And I saw firsthand during my experience with that program of landlords – actually enunciating that they would never rent to a veteran. Um, after I recovered from, you know, I mean, I found that stunning, but there was absolutely nothing I could do other than give them a tongue lashing based on my personal abhorrence of that position but that I think you will all agree with me it's ridiculous that the brave men and women who serve this country and sometimes sacrifice their health should ever have to face that type of discrimination so I applaud you for taking this up Um, so this would be very important for our veteran families and also the source of funds discrimination Um, The prohibition against discrimination on source of funds. We saw that repeatedly working with our veterans We would have landlords that refused to take the VASH vouchers Which were essentially housing vouchers for military or for veteran families We also had landlords that would tell us um, our corporate policy is not to take funds from third parties or government benefits so if I had a nickel for every time I heard that from a landlord, I'd be a pretty wealthy woman. But it was, I mean, we would be begging the landlord to let it, to take the money from the United Way um, to keep a veteran family housed, and they refused. One memorable case was a landlord that refused. Winter,
0: I'm going to have to cut you
20: off.
15: Okay. Sorry. On Memorial Day. Okay, Mr.
0: Chair, I have, <laughs> I have a question right. of one
20: order. Thank Lenore.
15: you.
0: Mr. Mayor? Yes. May I ask uh, Lenora a question now? Uh, Lenora? Yes, that'd be fine.
15: Yes, I'm here. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, my, my sole question
20: here is on the lawful source of income criteria. Um, and I readily admit I don't know how this works. Um, would this in any way force a landlord to accept a certain fixed amount of money which could be different than that which they're charging. What I mean by that is, for example, let's say a landlord wants to charge $1,500 a month and there is a government program which will pay $1,200 a month only. is there any way that this could be construed as requiring a landlord to say, well, since whatever blank government agency is paying 1200 and there's a prohibition that you cannot charge any more than that, you mu- therefore must rent to this person and must accept the lower amount?
15: Well, I think that question would probably be better addressed to the county attorney. Um, however, it would be... In my opinion no and generally the government benefits um, are significantly higher than what they could ordinarily get for their unit Um, a lot of times the section 8 voucher is just um, you know they set a price essentially countywide regardless of the desirability of the property so in my opinion uh, a lot of landlords well, do much better except in Section that 8. But. I
20: don't.
0: Okay, thank you. But thank you I will ask the county attorney at the end. Thank you. Okay, okay thank, thank you.
26: you.
0: Uh, Bertisha and then Jeff. What is that music? Again? <laughs>
12: oh. Oh. Good morning. Um, Good morning. Commissioners. Um, first of all, I'm here as a private citizen. I'm also here as an advocate. I'm a member of Black Lives Matter Alliance Broward. I'm also a realtor in my full-time job. And I just want to speak to the source of income. There are plenty of landlords out here on a daily basis that refuse to rent to people because they have these vouchers. And um, uh, Commissioner Gallagher was speaking to, Are they to, is it going to lessen their amount? There are actually landlords that are charging more because the vouchers are more. So say you have a property listed for 1150 and somebody has a voucher for $1,300, they are going to up their rent to 1300 just to get the extra money from the government. But you also have people that literally refuse to rent to people that have vouchers. So it's very important that you guys consider this and pass it so that people, that whether the income is from work or from a voucher program or anything like that, that they are able to get affordable housing in Broward County.
0: Thank you very much. And last, we have Jeff Weinberger.
33: Thank you. Um, this day has been a very long time coming for me, almost two years. And if I go a little bit over, I would uh, just humbly <laughs> ask you to defer. I'll read through this as quickly. I'll, I'll read through, it. Well, it. I'm already wasting 15 seconds, if you could give me an extra 15 seconds. Uh, good morning, uh, all Mayor Furr, Commissioners, County Administrator Henry, County Attorneys and others who've supported moving this amendment forward over the past months. I want to give particular thanks to members of the Human Rights Board who helped move this forward, to City Attorney Trisha Prissett for her open communication with me as she was drafting the measure. Uh, and most of all to Commissioner Nan Rich who along with her staff has championed protecting the rights of the least among us since long before she became a Broward County Commissioner. Uh, so while I originally brought the proposal to add a protection based on housing status or source of income to the Human Rights Board, nearly two years ago, without Commissioner Rich's backing, I question whether we'd be here today on the verge of adding this vital protection against discrimination based on source of income, though not yet for housing status or homelessness, and I hope we can get to that soon. Um, SOI protection, that's source of income, per se, while protecting those seeking housing who are reliant on governmental and other forms of financial assistance, also has been shown in its application, as the American Bar Association noted in its analysis, uh, to preclude obscuring other bases for housing discrimination like race, sexual orientation, and disability, to name a few. As the authors of the ABA's analysis on SOI wrote, Often the denial of housing will serve as a pretext for a prohibited form of discrimination. For example, a property owner who does not want to rent to elderly persons will simply deny a housing application claiming that retirement benefits are not a sufficient source of income. So I'm very appreciative today to see that this is moving forward. But I would be irresponsible if I didn't also point out that this is but one small, if important, protection for low-income people and those seeking to escape homelessness, which arrives in the context of a systemic political-economic reality whose trajectory guarantees only more misery for those in our society who comprise the vast majority, who struggle to survive from paycheck to paycheck, week in, week out, or who have already fallen through the copious holes in our shredded social safety net, to wind up living in a car or a shelter or worse, surviving on our streets. We can't thank you, forget. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. That,
0: that was a sentence worthy of Faulkner right there, but I was like, you know. There's I was more to if find, you want it. The There's more if you wanted. Okay, no, we're going to have to we're have to. it the there. One last no, two sentences. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we're gonna, we are really running behind. I'm sorry. Okay, I
33: just want to urge the Human Rights Board and the Commissioners to
0: <laughs> amend the we're, Act we're for good. homeless we're people. We got it. Thank you, you again. Thank you. thank you. Okay, and that. Oh, is our final speaker? We are. I am now going to close the public hearing. I'm going to allow for Commissioner Rich, since it is your item first, and then Commissioner Marka Miss Chairman, and, oh, may Mr. you Mr. also Mr. pre-ask
20: my question of the County Attorney at the appropriate
0: time? Uh, uh, let me. I'm going to go to Commissioner Rich first. And, and I think we need to extend our meeting. Okay. Do I have? A, so I have motion, motion to, to extend the meeting, by, by a second, by 15. I think we're we probably going to need more. Half an hour. Half an hour. By half hour. Okay. 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 Mr. All do. right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any? Any opposed? Aye. Okay. No. Thank you. All right. Commissioner okay.
12: Thank you. Um, uh, first of all, I, I want to personally thank the county attorney's office uh, and your staff uh, uh, drew for the help. You know, this took this took um, this took research. Um, uh, when S- Senator Geller was asking about the source of income, there are there are municipalities cities counties that that do parts of this and we researched the the staff researched and came back uh, with a number of uh, different areas and as was mentioned the veterans one is something that hadn't been done in other areas so I'm really proud of the fact that uh, we are going to be adding that to to our area of uh, prohibit prohibition of discrimination so um, the uh, as far as the lawful income is concerned, the whole list is here, and yes, there is discrimination. Um, I believe that the county attorney will uh, re- respond to that, but uh, the truth is it, it it is a serious barrier to affordable housing for low income people and people who use government sources of money so uh, this will we, we've taken a position here on you know. Strength for moving ahead with affordable housing, uh, particularly uh, some of our neediest, from homeless to 30 to 50% of AMI, of annual median income. So this will go a long way to removing some of those barriers. So I just want to say it's one of the pleasures of being on this commission because – uh, this wouldn't have happened like this in the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> so in such a short period of time, if ever. <laughs> would you like to make? Commissioner Rich, uh, would you like to make a motion? I'm to get more votes. Would you like to make a motion? Yes, I will make a motion so I have a second. to approve the ordinance. Seconded by uh, Commissioner Holness. But I just Wholeness. want to say thank you to everybody, and it's a pleasure to be serving with people who care about other people and are, are, are looking at ways that we can help and remove barriers to, uh, to, to uh, people in our community that aren't as fortunate maybe as some others.
0: Thank, Thank you. And I might actually get a Commissioner Holness because he was a co-sponsor. So
3: this had more. been on my radar for some time. Thank you, Commissioner Manridge, you. For, for pushing it forward. Uh, and thanks to all of the folks who supported it, uh, the Human Rights Board and so many others, uh, from Hope and, and from elsewhere, uh, for the great work that you do. In terms of this being an issue, it is an issue. Uh, We need to ensure that all the people that we represent have full access to housing. And and, and this moves us forward on on that issue. Uh, When we give people equal opportunity and equal access, we create a stronger, better, more vibrant society. In terms of the question that Senator Geller has, now I'm sure attorney will give his legal opinion. I've been a real estate Broker for many, many years, in fact, 30 some years now. Uh, and HUD offers market rate rents. So it's supposed to be market rate. Oftentimes it's a little bit higher. In few instances, it might be a little less than the market. No landlord is forced to accept a lesser amount. It's not allowed for you to do that. Nor should you charge a higher amount than you would normally charge. uh, than the market rate, because someone has a voucher. Uh, So we move forward here, and again, thanks uh, to Commissioner Rich for being out in front of it.
31: Commissioner
2: Lamarco. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, So first, I want to thank the the hard work of the Human Rights uh, board uh you yeah, know th- this I'm still trying to comprehend from the young lady who came up from legal aid um, that folks could be discriminated upon you know today's the uh seventy first anniversary of flight nineteen which went down out of fort lauderdale uh, naval air Station fort Lauderdale uh in twenty seven Naval aviators and marine aviators were were lost and started the tale of the uh, Bermuda Triangle. But um, five years before that, we're, we're celebrating the uh, the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, and uh, there there is just you know every every generation has a, has a reason to appreciate those who that less than one percent of our country that puts themselves themselves in harm's way, and to tell somebody that they can't rent rent a place. Um, I'd like to see us have a, a special discount for folks like that, um, but that being said that's one that's one uh, group of people who should not be uh, discriminated against. First of all, nobody should be but looking at looking at these other issue, other issues, you're going to discriminate against that there's discriminating against folks who are dealing with domestic violence or stalking <laughs> that were that uh, that that a landlord wouldn't take dollars. Now, this, this is the one that really, from a, from a fiscal standpoint, I really don't understand because there are places all around this country, and I've got friends that have, uh, have been in the real estate uh, business and they're landlords, and they, they only rent to uh, tenants who are, who are paying through with the, with the government uh, voucher because it's guaranteed. Um, just like our money, it, uh, it is guaranteed. Um, I don't know if the, the vouchers say "In God We Trust" on them, but I'm pretty pretty certain that they're going to get their money. So to discriminate against anyone in any of these conditions is is bad. But uh, the first one is just abhorrent, as she said. And uh, you know, I I, uh, I strongly support this. I appreciate our our colleagues that brought it forward, um, and I would just you know hope that those folks would have a day of reckoning uh, for not uh, not being fair and uh, fair and equitable human beings.
0: Commissioner Geller, did you want to speak on this? Assuming
20: that Commissioner Holness is correct, which I assume he is, that would answer my question. Okay. I'm good.
0: Okay. Um, we have a motion and a second on this. Do do um, I think it's all be all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Any opposed? Okay. That passes unanimously. That is. That concludes our public hearing, and we will now go to. Item 52. We have a delegation. Is Nikki here? Here's Nikki. Nikki Freed with the from with the Broward Days Chair. Is the Broward Days Chair?
34: Uh, Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, other commissioners. Uh, First of all, thank you for the opportunity to speak here today. I think I've had an opportunity to speak with almost each of you concerning the upcoming Broward Days and how excited we are for what we have in store. Uh, when I took over as chair and Kenneth Eriks as my vice chair, we had a new vision of what Broward Days was going to mean to our community. And we felt that it was an opportunity to not only merge the delegation, which is what happened last year, but work more with our community, both as the commissioners, the city council members, um, our community stakeholders, and kind of put together a year-long program, not just a 24 hour day trip to Tallahassee. That we're gonna create an opportunity not just through our impact teams to basically bring all of the stakeholders to specific areas and issues in our community and make sure that they're interacting with one another. So when our delegation goes up to Tallahassee, they are fully abreast of all the issues that are dealing with the county. So when we're dealing with education, it's not just K through twelve, it's all of the services that the county can provide to our citizens. And so we are excited uh, to once again go forth with our trip to Tallahassee, which is February 7th and 8th. But more importantly, the partnership between the entire community, between the county, between the city officials, between our business community members, and between our citizens. And so we are, again, thank you for, I saw that already you have done on your consent agenda, so I won't take too much of your time, um, but I am certainly here um, willing and able to help. Um, get through any of your uh, agenda items for Tallahassee and assist with making sure that the story and the issues of Broward County are felt in Tallahassee. That it is time for Tallahassee to realize that we are the hub of our state. We have economic development like that's seen nowhere else in our state. Our development in other areas Um, our ports our beaches we provide such a different unique perspective than any other county in the entire state and it's time for Tallahassee to start recognizing that and as chair of Broward days I'm hoping to take that mission and make sure that it's a year-long program not just 24 hours in Tallahassee but that we are continuously educating our elected officials in Tallahassee of how important Broward County is to the sustainability and economic development of our entire state so thank you again for your support um, and look forward to working with each of you as the year comes through. Thank
0: you, Nikki. Um, commissioner Lamarca, did you want to speak?
2: Thank you, Mayor. I, I want to first thank Nikki for uh, for investing her time uh, along with, with, with Candace and the organization. I've been involved, I guess, since I've been on this dais and was involved uh, in, in traveling to Tallahassee since 2005 as a city commissioner. and. You know, sometimes when you do something over and over, and you do it the same way, it loses its uh, loses its effectiveness. Um, but there's a there's a new spirit. There's a new uh, plan with uh, our with Broward Days. Um, and as your representative on on Broward Days, I'll tell you that there are issue teams, not too many, because you don't want to go into someone's office. Uh, uh, Senator Rich and Representative uh, Ryan and anyone else that served in Tallahassee with a 20 things on a list and say, can you get these done for me? But we've, we've, we've uh, narrowed it down to some very important issues. And just to, to uh, add on to Nikki's point, um, you know, my, obviously you know that I've made some, uh, some plan changes and with regard to Tallahassee, but part of one of the things that I think that we need to let folks in Tallahassee know outside of the, well, it's this side or that side, this well, of, of the aisle or this or that, it, it's really the value in Broward County, the value in Broward County, the governor, of this state, uh, who has served for seven years as a Republican, uh, is in Broward County. I think his second favorite commissioner in Broward County is definitely, I think I'm his second favorite commissioner, Here is first, but he's always with, always, always when Barbara was, was mayor in different times, always in Broward County. And there's not there's, it's not a political reason, it's not a, you know, hey, he just likes the weather in Broward County, it's because this is where things are going on, this is where the alliance is... is is working hard with the chambers and the broad workshop and the industries that we have here are continuing. And you know, let's let's not mention our unemployment number, but it is better than the state, and it has been since we we started this crawl out of the uh, Great Recession. So, uh, the issues that we need to make sure that they understand up there is it's not about this or that uh, that, that divides us. It's really truly about uh, the impact that we make here and not just the uh, the. Social services, human services, safety net, things that we do better than most places in the state, but the economics of it as well. So there may be a correlation between those two if you think about it.
0: Okay, thank you, Nikki. You're, I think you're going to do great up there. So, thank you. Yeah, we're looking forward to working with you in the, you so in the, in the next year. Thank you very much. Okay, we're going to go on to item number 58. This is a motion to reject all proposals for uh, request for proposals, R2114349P1, and a motion to approve extension of agreement. Uh, number R one zero four eight one zero one R one. I think this needs to be framed a little bit. Um, so, is there? Could we have Ms. Billingsley, or what, how would you? How would you like to proceed? Yes,
4: with this? if if I could, um, um, Mr. Sam wanted. Um, thank you, Mr. Kelleher, to come okay. forward.
20: Okay, M- Mr. Mayor. While they're walking up, I'm in Tallahassee. I need to leave now. I'm, I have a meeting shortly with county staff and a senator on a issue uh, on behalf of Broward County. Uh, so I will need to be uh, ending the leaving the meeting now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Keller. Yeah. Uh, Kevin
35: Kelleher. Uh, This item deals with uh, prepaid legal services. This is one of those voluntary benefits that we have for our employees. It's one of a number of them. We have legal insurance, life insurance, long-term disability vision. This is one that's entirely paid by the employees, Uh, but we procure this. uh, So we had an RFP that was done and part of the RFP in the background of the RFP and in multiple places it talked about At a minimum, we wanted it to duplicate the current prepaid legal plan benefits and because generally when we're dealing with voluntary benefits to avoid from having a disruption for the employees, we want to at least have what they currently enjoy today. And of course, any of the proposers can come forth with enhancements. Unfortunately, with this one, while we had that um, statement in the background, um, it was not part of the evaluation criteria. So when the evaluation committee went forward with it, it did not evaluate whether it was a comparison, whether the, the plan at least met the minimum of what our current plan was. So unfortunately, um, when we saw that, when we went through the, the process, uh, we thought it was in best for the interest of the employee and all parties involved is to reject the bids and to uh, go out with an R, another RFP that will s- specify out and have the appropriate
7: evaluation criteria.
0: Okay. Um, County attorney, did you want to speak to this?
7: No, I I think that given what occurred here, this is an appropriate uh, resolution of it and certainly very legally supportable.
0: Okay. We have a number of public speakers on this. Um, I have John Forbes, Mark Stempler, and then Bernie Friedman.
36: Mayor, Vice Mayor, County Commissioners. I just want to uh, say thank you for letting us uh, have the opportunity to speak on uh, behalf of US Legal Services. Um, when we, um, when we uh, looked at this RFP, we realized that there were certain standards that needed to be met in continuing our service to the employees. So we decided that we would not only um, provide these benefits, um, but we would continue to provide those benefits at the current level of service uh, and remain at the same rate, which we have been for the last 10 years. Uh, so that's uh, first and foremost. The second uh, uh, position I'd like to take on this is that while um, our competitors are going to uh, come up here and speak and talk about um, how their plan is similar, I can assure you that the plans, while at 9.95, their price point, Looks appealing. It does shift the burden of cost mainly to the employee when they do hire an attorney for representation under that plan. Um, with that being said, um, I just want uh, for the uh, commission to understand that, and that uh, we definitely stand beside uh, uh, having it go back out to bid, and we uh, look forward to the opportunity to rebidding the uh, uh, the contract.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Stempler. Let me reset this thing, though.
37: Good afternoon, Mark Stempler on behalf of uh, U.S. Legal. Uh, As the county pointed out in its memo that's attached as Exhibit 8 to uh, the packet that you got, the scoring criteria regarding current plan benefits was improperly omitted. Now, as a result, this evaluation was apples to oranges and not apples to apples as the county intended. Uh, and this underscores why the current proposals should be thrown out and why the RFP should be resolicited. The RFP is clear that the selected proposer shall, at a minimum, duplicate the current prepaid legal benefits. Preferred's legal plan does not do that. It fails to do so in about two dozen ways, and it fails to meet more than half of the RFP criteria. In short, if an attorney is needed to actually represent a county employee, Um, the employee pays all of that cost under Preferred's plan. Under the current plan, many hours of actual legal representation are covered. Preferred's plan does not do that. And this is important because it's one of the main reasons why this process should get a do-over. Because Preferred's plan does not duplicate the current plan benefits, it can offer a lower upfront monthly premium, but it's artificial. Under the RFP's formula to evaluate price, the lowest price proposal got a maximum of uh, 20 points in the scoring. Everyone else gets less. But by not complying with the RFP, Preferred Legal was able to submit a low upfront plan cost uh, and manipulate the price scoring system. In contrast, U.S. Legal's proposal complied with the current benefits, uh, complied with the RFP requirements, and it was punished in the scoring evaluation. Uh, the price evaluation formula doesn't work unless there is an apples-to-apples apples comparison. And you get that by meeting the current, uh, the, the minimum criteria under the RFP, which is to duplicate the current prepaid legal benefits. The difference in the overall price between the first-ranked and the second-ranked proposer um, was greater than the difference that was uh, awarded to them in the scoring. So by virtue of this scoring criteria, that's how preferred legal is number one. Uh, if we were to look at it just based solely on the merits, U.S. legal was actually the, 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 um, the higher-ranked proposer. Um, we anticipate that, based on uh, preferred legal's latest correspondence to the county, that they're going to argue that, that hearing this issue now in this way is improper under Section 21.84 of the code. That is not the case. We are not at that stage yet. This was just a proposed recommendation of ranking not a final recommendation of ranking. Uh, and for these reasons, we support purchasings and human resources recommendation that these motions be granted. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bernie Friedman.
6: Thank you very much. Bernie Friedman with Becker-Polykoff representing U.S. Legal. First of all, I want to Thank uh, Brenda Billingsley of Purchasing, Finance, and Administration, Mr. Tablick and uh, Kevin, and Ms. Morrison. We support rejection of all bids for the following five reasons. First of all, the RFP had a mandate. It said you shall, you shall. It didn't say you may. It didn't say that maybe you do this and maybe you do that. The RFP said that you shall match the existing plan design. U.S. Legal did that the other team did not do that and benefited by not doing that by getting the points on pricing second of all the county was well within its rights to have a plan designed. The county knows what's in the best interest of its employees. The county does this on all the other insurance RFPs out there. The county does this on the janitorial RFP that we just had. It had all the criteria that you must do. So it's replete all throughout the county purchasing that you will see RFPs where you must do something. And the reason why they do that is, one, because it's in the best interest of their employees, and two, because you want an apples-to-apples If different people are bidding on different things, there's no way to get the apples to apples comparison on price and somebody's going to get a competitive advantage. Third, U.S. legal actually won. We won on the merits. So clearly the the staff and the uh, selection committee wanted U.S. legal. But we lost 33 points. It wasn't 20 points or or, uh, it was 33 point was the point difference that we lost by when we did not get the lowest price. So it's pretty incredulous that we play by the rules. We do exactly what the county says. We give them the plan design that they want. And then we lose points because we did what the county wanted us to do. The the team that didn't do what the county wanted you to do is actually getting the more points, most points on, uh, on the price. It sort of doesn't sound kosher. Fourth, U.S. legal followed the procurement code. The procurement code clearly says that you can object to the ranking. We objected to the ranking. We followed the rules. We wrote a letter to the purchasing director, and we followed the rules, and there was a preliminary uh, posting of the rankings. We objected to that preliminary posting. There was never a final posting of the ranking because it's before you today with a recommendation from your purchasing division, your finance and administration, and Ms. Morrison to reject all bids. <laughs> There were many other issues with this RFP that we don't have to go into uh, related to the portal being down, the evaluation committee never actually even seeing the proposals when they were voting on responsiveness and responsibility because the portal was down. It's all in the letters. I think this boils down to fairness. We played by the rules. And we deserve the benefit of playing by the rules and not being punished for playing by the rules. So I urge you to support your staff, who did a great job in rejecting all bids and starting over and really cleaning up this RFP. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Next, we have Brian Samuels, then Jason Rudolph, then Seth Platt, then George Platt.
23: Good afternoon. My name is Brian Samuels, and I'm one of the owners of Preferred Legal Plan. I'd also like to mention that my father, Don Samuels, was a loyal uh, participant in local politics here back in the 80s and 90s, served on the Broward County School Board for many years. I am a lifelong Broward County resident. I continue to raise my family and operate my business here in Broward County. I want to say it's an honor to appear before the mayor, vice mayor, and commissioners today. But I'll be honest in saying that I'm not sure exactly why we're here. We submitted a response to the RFP process in good faith. We presented to the evaluation committee all of the unique aspects of our plan, and we clearly won the bid. And now, due to the, a lot of inflammatory creative legal writing and the apparent one-person crusade of the purchasing department human resource employee, we're being painted as disingenuous and unprofessional. I honestly question based on the statements of the the past speakers if they even understand our industry. We have been a licensed, bonded, and regulated company by the Florida Department of Insurance since 1998. We are a legal insurance plan provider and have been for the past almost 20 years, and we've been doing it better than our competitors all this time. Our niche has always been a locally-based attorney owned and operated plan in the state of florida with a very unique structure for customer service none of our competitors can match us including u.s legal we provide more coverages a higher more personal level of service to our members we extend coverage to the employees entire household including elderly parents and all for the lowest premium in our industry For the objector to paint us in some other light is not only unprofessional and insulting, but it seems a lot like sour grapes. They know who we are. This is not the first time they've encountered our plan. And in fact, we've been kicking their butts up and down the state for many years, eventually replacing them in several client groups for service reasons, including, just to name a couple, UF Health Shands out of Jacksonville and the city of Miami Beach. Our client list, which I just furnished to you guys, speaks for itself. We have maintained successful relationships with all of our municipal groups and organizations for many, many years. Again, we entered this process in good faith for a chance to assist the hardworking county employees. And that's all we do every single day is sit in our offices in Hollywood and we help people. My partner and I have worked in the trenches for close to two decades assisting our members with their everyday issues. We know what people are calling for, we know the issues that they need help with, and we know how to help them. It would be truly unfortunate for the county employees if they don't have an opportunity to work with us and see the services that we provide, all the while saving over 40% on the premium in their paychecks. And we're based right here in Broward County where the county employees could come and visit with us at any time. We hope that you guys will validate the hard work of the evaluation committee, who, by the way, clearly understood all of these points and uphold the integrity of this RFP process itself and approve the recommended rankings as provided. Thank you you guys for your time. Thank
0: you, Mr. Samuels. Mr. Rudolph.
9: Thank you, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners. My name is Jason Rudolph. My partner and I have lived in Broward County for over 95 years. We are your sons. We grew up and went to Sterling Elementary, Hollywood Hills High School, and we came back to deliver the plan to the employees. We've been doing this for 20 years. I'm upset. I definitely am. Why am I upset? Because we won fair and square. The evaluation committee went through the plan design item by item. And we each had opportunities to have Q&A with the evaluation committee. They knew exactly how each plan worked. No two plans are going to be the same in our industry, and they know that. It's, it's a shame that uh, Lisa Morrison is not here, as she's the project manager. Um, she's the one who brought up the plan design, and she start in a meeting, in the second evaluation meeting, reconvene, she brought up the fact that, our, that the plan design wasn't met, that oh, preferred legal met 42% of the plan design, our uh, high legal met 62 but U.S. legal met 100% of the plan design. Why? Because the plan design is right out of U.S. legal's policy of insurance. It's right out word for word. Okay, so we knew going in we had a tough time. How are we going to compete? The plan design is word for word U.S. legal's policy you know what, let's give it a shot. Let's explain our plan, let's explain how we do it. We're the ones who are on the front lines. We are the attorneys talking to the members and the employees every single day. So we said, okay, let's see if that that shows through. And after two meetings, it did show through. After Lisa Morrison said that we didn't meet the plan design, Gretchen Cassini said, um, wait, explain how this, how didn't they meet the plan design? And we went through it. Item by item, where at the end of the at the end of the committee meeting, the evaluation committee knew exactly how each plan worked, and you could just listen to the tape. It's obvious. It's excuse me.
0: I'll let him finish, and then we'll do it.
9: Just just a couple more points. We moved our office into Hollywood. We were renting. We bought a building in Hollywood. We took an old abandoned church administrative building on 40th Avenue. We took it off, the, we took a zero tax uh, bracket. We added $10,000 to Broward County's tax bracket. We, we're here for life. We're lifers in Broward County. Um, the fact is, is that in 2016, US Legal lost 39% of its of its Florida members. 39% of its Florida members. I know why they're fighting, but this, we won this. We won it fair and square. I'm asking you to do, do a, a verbal motion to approve this, the uh, Evaluation Committee's recommendations. And at this point, we have more members in
0: Florida than U.S. legal, 3,000 more. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rudolph. Next, we have Seth Platt and then followed by George Platt. You're after one o'clock. And what, could I entertain a motion to extend the meeting? Yeah,
12: motion to For 15, 15 minutes?
0: 15 second? minutes, yeah. For 15 minutes. We have a second. All those in favor? Any opposed? That passes.
22: I'll make it quick. Okay. Uh, the selection committee for this procurement consisted of Gretchen Cassini, Assistant County Administrator, Kim Campbell, Director of Human Services Department, and Mary McDonald, Acting Director of Human Resources Division. And there couldn't be a more qualified EC to evaluate proposals for this solicitation. And this EC should be lauded for delving in significant depth into each of the proposals uh, to the county through extensive Q&A. The project manager, Lisa Morrison, interjected on the comparison of current services provided by each firm at the evaluation committee, which is a substance of the justification for canceling this procurement. The EC rejected her proposition that companies must mirror U.S. legal's plan, and they indicated they thought preferred legal provided more services in many ways. Afterward, each firm was specifically asked questions by the EC relative to the specific services provided. The qualified EC was able to evaluate the firms based on the differentiation of their business models and Dean preferred legal as the best value proposition for the employees of Broward County. But no two business models are exactly the same, and that is why, precisely why RFPs exist and are used to evaluate firms based on their strengths and their weaknesses. The project manager in her memo to purchasing asked to cancel the procurement and has indicated that any reiteration of this solicitation will compare proposals, proposers against the model provided by the current incumbent provider. This will effectively grant the incumbent with a high score when comparing benefits and penalizing other firms which use different business models and which might not provide value in areas not currently provided by the incumbent. There is no merit to this distorted means of evaluating companies. The fact that the EC understood the difference of the value propositions of each of these firms and found preferred legal to be the best plan for the employees of Broward County. Preferred legal competes against US legal all over the state and beats them many times based on the value proposition to its members and its customers. So to infer that one business model is preferable is a terrible message to the business community. A bad, pub, bad public policy and undermines the public perception of the integrity of the county's procurement process. I would also add that I made several public records requests uh, in response to this procurement. I was not provided many of those public records requests um, and I, I, as such was unable to ascertain why and how this process went awry in this manner. Uh, the recommendations before you are inappropriate and we ask that you make a proposal to approve the recommendation of the award of the ec and award this contract to preferred legal thank you
0: thank you mr platt mr platt
38: am i standing between you and lunch Uh (laughs)
0: uh-oh george
38: platt uh, from lsn on behalf of preferred legal plan the company that was unanimously recommended by the evaluation committee My uh, friend, Mr. Friedman, uh, wants to conveniently omit the fact that there are criteria in there that, uh, such as being local and being uh, the the best price, uh, those are part of the criteria. You can't just omit what you don't like. You know, that's not the way it works in this world. Um, You've heard about the experience of this firm and, um, and their commitment, and you've heard that this was an RFP. You use an RFP precisely for this kind of a situation, where you want to see what kind of services can be provided, and you want to get various kinds of proposals. Otherwise, you'd use a different kind of procurement methodology. Here, 70 days after the selection, and by the way, we did not see one shred of paper, not one, anywhere in the record. You do a very good job, county employees here, of making sure that there's no track record in the record when we ask for public documents as to why this should be thrown out. Only one, 70 days after the selection committee, Ms. Morrison sends a a memorandum saying, gee, I think we left out one criterion that should be in there and therefore everything that we've done up to this point should be thrown out. Well, you've heard the fact that this committee went through and vetted the companies. They asked them about each of the different areas of practice. And each of them responded, and that happened before the vote was taken. Nobody should be so foolish as to suggest that any of these three firms that were in the final shortlist is not responsive or responsible. These are firms that compete all over the state of Florida. Uh, This issue, by the way, uh, I, I know you don't like to be unique on something like this, but this is the only place that this issue has ever come up in this kind of competition. Everywhere else, whether it's the University of Florida, Broward College, Miami Beach, the city of Miramar, city of Parkland, you name it, okay? They have RFPs and people compete straight up and they make a decision on which is the best services for the employees at the best possible price. That did not happen here. Um, and so now we're being asked to throw everything out, start all over again, um, and oh, by the way, let's just have this duplicate model. Well. We don't have a duplicate model, that's not our model. We have a different model, one that the selection committee liked. But if you do come with another RFP and you require duplicate models, my guess is we're probably not gonna be able to submit because that's not our model. And I think it's wrong to do it that way. It makes it a de facto sole source, not what you intend, I know. And so I'm asking you to, to consider, if you can't do it today, bringing back a motion to uh, accept and approve the recommendation, the recommended ranking of the committee, Um, and uh, instead of uh, rubber stamping the the, uh, recommendation of the staff. And uh, I do want to say that uh, Mr. Keller, uh, who I greatly respect, said that they did not evaluate in relationship to the current plan. I think they did evaluate in relationship to the current plan and concluded that our client did have a superior uh, provision of services remembering that 85% of all matters that come before us are handled in house by the attorneys without referral to a panel attorney and if it is referred to a panel attorney that panel attorney works at at a discounted rate and Thanks. we are we find that we retain a great deal of business these days and you've heard how competitive we are. So I thank you for this opportunity and we're here to answer any questions you have.
0: Thank you, Mr. Platt. Um, with that, that concludes our, um, uh, public hub hear- everybody from the public, I'm going to go to the dais now. Anybody want to speak? Uh, yes. I have a question. Commissioner Uda and then vice mayor Bogan. I,
5: just have, I want to ask Kevin a question. Um, mr. Kelleher mr. Kelleher if I can so my perspective on this employee benefit is one where it's like a nice thing to offer but I'm not a huge fan of this benefit to begin with this is something that the employees pay for a hundred percent the county doesn't do anything and I I understand what it is. It's pretty much a mechanism of allowing them to market to our employees. That's really all this is, in, in, in my opinion. And my question is, on the, on the health insurance plans that we have, which I consider to be a much more higher level of benefit, a benefit where we pay for part and, and, and it is what it is, when we were changing the plan this last go-round, when we were gonna add another type of plan, we had a workshop on the item and you came in and you said, we wanna bring you this new skinny type of plan and these are some of the benefits and these are some of the costs and it's different and there's a different mechanism that you would you would choose from. I'm curious, because when I look at this RFP, and I know we voted on it before to put it out, but why why is that not brought to us to say, kind of what the evaluation committee did. Is there a different model or is this the only model that we want to offer to our employees?
35: If I could start, first okay. is with, with with health, as you said, it, it has a higher degree of uh, importance, particularly since the county does pay for it. Agree 100% so, with that. So in that regard, but even when we got to, you know, and with that, the, the, uh, the narrow network is just a, an attempt to stay ahead of the curve of the changes that are happening in the healthcare industry. Uh, so we do propose that. So we vet that out um, w- with with the board intensely. But even when we've gone out to bid in the past for health insurance, we've always started at what we currently have. We always talk about disruption as being part of of the analysis. So we always make sure that we have the baseline. So if so, we're not getting a reduction in benefit here. So now with with this, generally with the other ancillary benefits, we. Pretty much, just go with what we currently enjoy and just just bid that um, you know vision <coughs> life you know they're usually pretty much um, the same. they may be different in the legal plan there may be different business models, but generally what we have done is we've had um, we've had bid the existing model what we've come here folks and i and I do need <coughs> to apologize for being here, but uh, what we have here is what we asked for was at a minimum that it, it re- replicate the current plan, but there was no criteria to even evaluate that so and so what we 're trying to do is correct the wrong i 'm not saying anything bad against either of these companies and in, in fact, I think they 're both uh, good companies, and I actually think the third company that bid there's a third company to this right. is there we 're just trying to correct a procedural wrong, and that 's why the recommendation came. And we were discussing this um, in you know, okay. HR, myself, and purchasing long before the first letters started coming in. We were talking about this because we felt that there was a procedural problem with this. And that's all we're trying to correct. And we, and we, we would invite all of them to bid back. And it gives us a time to vet to make sure that we put out the RFP that clearly puts out what we want. And, and it's clear so it's, everybody's it's an even playing field.
5: Understood. So – of the ten years that they've been providing that plan, has this has the ins- the what I guess you can call it what they file with the Department of Insurance, but the plan benefits, have that changed over the past ten years or has that been static?
35: I would have to go back and research. I'm sure there's been some enhancements over the years. I'm I, I wouldn't so I'm just get, that's speculative. So if
5: there's differences, whether they're enhancements or reductions, doesn't that then become a policy issue for the board as far as what we want to what we want to offer as this benefit the same way as it would in a health insurance. I mean, if you're just taking, and I'm not saying that you are doing this, but it would be the easier way to do it. If you're just taking the latest plan that you have, cutting and pasting that from the submission of the Department of Insurance and saying, this is what we want you to bid. Then aren't, aren't then staff making the policy decision of what benefit needs to be provided, as opposed to when we had the workshop on the skinny plan with the health insurances, because that's not the same level. That's a lower level of benefits than the other plans are, but we we decided as a policy we wanted to make that available at a cheaper cost to our employees. I just don't know the answer to that when I I read through the backup. I I want it to be done the correct way, but if it's going to come back to us and it's going to come back to us with the same exact level of the same quote-unquote cut-and-paste type of of scenario, then aren't we just saying that we we want this original plan and we don't want the business model? And isn't that then becoming a staff policy as opposed to a board policy?
35: I do not anticipate that's going to come back in the same format.
5: So when you rebid this out, when we get the new RFP, it's not going to be the same? It
35: will be clear as to... The type of, type of benefits. How are you going and, to get to
5: that? How are you going to get to that?
35: Right, and that's and that's something that we could, when we put forth to the to the board here, we could specify what the baseline benefits should be, so the board can make the determination as to whether you agree with those are the baseline benefits that you want for this. Again, this is a voluntary benefit. Got
0: it. Vice Mayor Broken uh, Mr. Kelleher. You finished?
31: Right? Oh, don't go away. Thank you. Real quickly, you said to. Um, you just said that you wanted to correct a procedural wrong. Can you just get, uh, just very le- simple, what exactly was the procedural wrong that makes it so you want to start over?
35: Okay. If, if you, in the RFP, in the multiple places, it says that the select proposer shall, at a minimum, duplicate the current prepaid legal plan right. benefits. and. When you go through the process, there was there was no evaluation criteria, no judgment based on whether they matched or not. So what you have here in this situation, you have a plan. It is not uh, I forgot who mentioned it. But it is not an apples to apples comparison. So what you have here is you have one plan that offers uh, counseling, consulting, and the other plan that offers is counseling, consulting, and representation. Bidding against each other, well, one's going to have a higher price uh, has have a higher price because they offer the representation as part of it, which is what they which the employees what the employees currently enjoy. So when you compare those two, it's it's not the same benefit. So of course it's going to be at a at a reduced price, and that's where the difference happened in the EC. The the EC the price points is what elevated, um, and I uh, prepaid legal to the top.
31: So, how, what are you going to do to correct the procedural wrong?
35: We're going to make it clear what are the, you know, what are the benefits that we expect at a minimum, and that's what.
31: But but concerned. if one benefit is offering uh, legal counsel and all A through Z, and the other benefits are offering legal counsel A through H, and obviously A through Z is going to be more expensive, and A through H is going to be less expensive. So how are you going to determine even by how are you going to do, how are you going to determine which is uh, you know I I don't understand how you're going to even correct that.
35: Well, one way of correcting that is to change the existing language that say shall at a minimum uh, because shall at a minimum would would suffice that you must have at a minimum the same level of benefits and if we know that that's not possible here in all essence it really should rule out the other candidates and that wasn't the intention
31: so so if shell minimums a through h and i am the company and i or and i offer a through z uh obviously it's still gonna be more expensive right
35: if they're offering enhancements
31: right My, my legal plan gives a through z his legal plan gives a through h okay i'm gonna be more expensive right i'm a through z you said minimum a through h right a through h is the minimum legal plan
35: but that's not what happened here we have the plan planets and i'm just using this using your terminology here our plan currently has a through z okay so that's the minimum and then we had a bid for a through h and at a reduced price and that through the whole process you know skewed the whole process
31: would it be possible it would it be feasible to offer since you know, um, people want legal services based on their needs. Would it be possible where both of them have the opportunity to be presented to our? You know, where we say, "Hey, here's one A through H. Here's one A through Z. If you want the A through Z, it's X. If you want the A through H, it's, it's Y." And let the let the employees decide which one they want. Yeah,
35: and and there's there's other options in doing that, and that is one. There is there are some. Concerns with doing that because when you have multiple benefits like that, if people, and we saw that even when we were discussing the narrow network, um, you know, there was to a great extent they wanted, we actually met with each one of the individuals who picked the narrow network just to make sure that they understood that it was a, a narrower benefit. So now you have the same thing here where you have two, two pe- you have people picking between two plans. They think that they bought the plan that that provides them the representational rights, but they didn't. Unfortunately when you're going to use it, that's the that's the worst time to find that out. And that's where it, it, it creates confusion Do at that understand. time. I understand it, but I, I just yeah.
36: that
0: Commissioner you' done are you finished? Yeah, yeah. Book. I am you didn't know to he
5: it. I mean. If, I understand because I think the evaluation committee did what you were talking about. They looked at an A through H plan and they looked at an A through Z plan and they thought that a plan they they weighed it out as to what they Thought was a better benefit to the employees. Now, what you're saying is they couldn't do that because it violated the the outline of what the RFP was, and I and I understand that that there was that error there. Um, you know, I've gone through the procurement code, and a couple of things jumped out. I asked Drew about a few of these yesterday, but like um, our procure our procurement code in in twenty one one fifty one. I mean, I think that you have to have in these RFPs maybe there's got to be disclosures about commission income. Um, I know your, your your office looked at that. I, I think it's close. I think your office is probably right that you don't have to include that in the RFP. And 2117 says our procurement code doesn't even apply for legal services. But, again, that's just for legal services that we're purchasing. So this is such a – this is – I mean, to me, I I understand exactly what went down here. Um, You know, both of these plans are fine. Both of these plans would do the trick for our employees. I think both of these plans are probably more than our employees would ever really need in the real world. Because, like, I I guarantee you that of the people sitting up here, probably nobody has legal attached. You do? I do, and it's great. Wow. I'm amazed. I would have lost that bet. You would have lost, lost that bet? I would have lost
0: that bet. Are you finished? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll speak to this. I, I do have that, the okay. plan. It works very well. Um, I've used it on a number of things. But I think everybody who who decides they're going to get this plan, probably in their head, already have an idea of what things they want to work on, like whether it's a will or it's this. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, I can get it done this way. I should have used it on my traffic ticket, but <laughs> so
5: that's a good point, that, um, which I didn't expect. That's a good point. Did you? But you have to pay for your tra- I found out that out that if you get a traffic ticket under this plan, you still have to pay the lawyer. Whereas if you well, tra- I never
0: found that out. I, okay. I, I didn't well, get that point. Uh, yeah, I blew sure. it on that one.
5: You're a courteous driver, but <laughs> I
0: know. no, no, obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm not. <laughs> but um, the one thing I the... <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. The one, the one, yeah. The one thing I'm I'm a little concerned with on this, and, and I'll get okay. in just a second, is I don't I don't think it's a good idea for RFPs to be written um, with a source in mind, and I think I think we have to be. And I know it's not with, but if you say exactly what this is, what, what if it's already one um, set of criteria and you and you write a, an RFP around that, you don't want to do that. That's not the way RFP should be written. I've, I've seen people get in real trouble for that. I've seen, you know, and I don't want to see that happen. Um, I actually like your idea of trying to do both, both plans. And I know that this is an, could be an administrative problem. But they, but for our employees, it gives an option. It gives, they, these are two different kind of plans. And depending on what kind of, uh, legal needs you might have, one may work better than the other, and I know it requires education, educating our employees and in giving them a chance to, uh, for me as well, because I would have to look at both and decide. But in this case, I don't think, you know, I, I'm not sure that uh, anything was done wrong on this, um, yet, and yet I think that the the plan that we that we have U.S. legal is a very good plan as well. So. I'm looking at trying to, th- I think it may make sense to try to have both plans. And I don't know if there's anybody else who's, who thinks that. Does anybody else, is there, yeah, I need to hear from others to see if this is uh, worthwhile going there. And then I'm going to go to Ms. Henry, okay. Mr. Commissioner Holness?
3: Yes, uh, it, 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 well, it's clear that staff uh, through the evaluation process didn't evaluate exactly as they RFP was written, mm. according to what they're telling me. So so I hear that. Uh, and uh, the other hand, in terms of writing uh, this RFP to the base of another plan, I think there's an arrow there. Uh, I, I think we ought to uh, ensure that, yes, you might put what your criteria are. It might be similar to what's in the other plan, but not to reference that as the as, as, as basis uh, for, for, for that. The other part of it is this, I do like the idea uh, that you can choose between one or the other. I, I think that's a good option for us to be able to look at that.
0: Is there anybody else that considers that otherwise? More? Yes. I Just, be,
4: just real quick, okay. be,
12: I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I don't think that's what we should be discussing kind of discussing right now to me I think the bottom line is that there was something wrong with this RFP it said one thing and it said you shall at a minimum duplicate the current prepaid legal plan benefits that's not what happened so I think in the sense of fairness I, I think it should go back and come up with a new RFP and then we can have the discussion of if we want to have more than one plan and one you know kind of model I don't really see where this uh, was requiring an identical model I mean unfortunately when you say you have to have the same minimum benefits you get into that so the, the RFP needs to be changed uh, and and then as I said we could talk about the others but right now I think we need to decide whether we're you know gonna uh, do what is recommended by the staff and I just think that mr. Keller has explained mm-hmm. it the way it is it's a mistake, and yes, it, it, we, I, Motion just to accept the. Okay. I, I I just
4: wanted to clarify because I think it's important. There are three uh, respondents. If you pull out price, if you pull out price, you may have a different configuration. So you were you were asking the question. You were I mean the, his response was a little confusing. If you if you didn't look if you didn't look at price, which made it it skewed it a bit, the outcome may have been different. And and now that you have these three these three bidders and you're starting to look at different elements of it, you know I think we should try to I would want to know what the what the ranking would end up being if you start to pull out price or you pull out any element of it. It's 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 because it's flawed. We may, in trying to correct it, may be creating another set of problems, and I and I yeah. think that's what I'm,
0: the concern. Yeah, that's what's making it, it so difficult. Yeah, um, we do have a motion on the floor with a second, and the motion. Would you like to clarify your motion?
12: The motion is to accept the recommendation uh, of our staff to uh, re um, to, to, to to put the yeah to move 58 as it said here. Yeah, it's right there to put it out for RFP again.
5: Yeah, can we have
0: staff expedite, I'm to, I'll say, can we have staff expedite Yeah, right. we, we can have. Do, do we want, let me, before it does, Before the, you were talking about, normally when we have benefits, we have a chance to talk about it and discuss whether or not we want, what, what our possibilities are here. We didn't do that in this case, and I'm wondering if that's something where you want to. I,
5: I was going to bring it up when they bring the RFP back, bring back for us, because right. they're going to bring it, then we can have that conversation.
4: Right. Okay. That, that was going to be my if, uh, uh, the tag-on to, to to my comment, it, it, so that you have an opportunity to weigh in on what the RFP says. Because we, as Mr. Kelleher indicated, we weren't going to bring back the same one. We were definitely going to change it, because you want to have an opportunity to look at um, uh, what else is out
1: there, something different.
0: And, and, and perhaps the, the possibility of multiple plans. That's
1: possible.
0: Looking at those possibilities, Commissioner Ryan, did you you just got back? Did you have anything you wanted to add to this?
19: I supported the comments of Commissioner of Commissioner Rich, which is um, the clear statement in the RFP was that there was a minimum threshold of benefits that would be provided in the plan, and it was determined that one of the plans did not provide that minimum level of services. So with that. If you want to have uh, several plans by which um, the employees can make a choice, then that would be written into uh, a new RFP. But I uh, support the staff recommendation that we reject all bids and come back out with a new RFP.
0: Okay, anybody else? Okay, with that, I'm going to take a vote. All those in favor of the staff recommendation? Aye. Okay, all those opposed? Okay, that's going to pass unanimously. Though. Um, Okay. So we will have we will come back. Uh, staff will come back with a another version of that with a, a different RP, and we'll weigh in on that. Okay. Okay. Do we need to extend the time again? No. Okay. Well, we well we still have a couple more things we have to do. We do? Yeah. These will be real quick. Uh, we're going to go to sixty one, sixty two, sixty three, and sixty four. These are four nominations. For the three no two isn't was it two at large positions? There's, There's two at-large positions. There's two. Right?
7: There's two. There's two. So, Mayor, two Mayor, yeah, explain, okay.
0: There, if you could explain this real quick.
7: Y- yes, there there are four nominations for two at large positions. The the third, oh, third non categorical one was already filled and I as Correct. part of item six.
0: Okay, and we need ballots for this, I believe. They're, okay. they're coming. and And mayor
4: might I um, to expedite while the board is going through its uh ranking if you would like for Mr. Walton to respond to uh, Vice mayor bogan's um, item um, we could do that we um yes that way
0: perfect good idea moving along so while while we're voting we're going go to go we're going to lay that on the table and go to item number sixty eight
18: mayor. Um, yes. I'd ask to be shown as a co sponsor for items 49 and 51. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Minute, Secretary, I just wanted to make sure I was shown as a co sponsor. Thank you.
21: Mr. Walton? Okay. Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor. Um, in response to Commissioner Bogan's question of, of last uh, on the agenda item, whether or not the complaint or comment telephone number is posted inside the vehicle? The answer is yes. It's posted inside of every vehicle. Um, I'm sorry, hear you.
0: What's posted inside?
21: Can you speak a little louder? Your question was, if a, if a rider had a concern or a complaint, right. is the telephone number for, can they call a number, would the number be posted inside the vehicle? Is there a telephone number for complaints, concerns posted inside of every vehicle? And the answer is yes. There is, there is a, a placard that is at uh, now. I'll get you copies if you want it, but it does have um, the call center telephone number.
31: Where, where is that placard located? Inside the table? thank you thinking
21: mm. so on the back of the front seat. So it's like attached to a window, one of the windows? Right. Yes, on the side, in the front. Also. Um, There's two things that we did in terms of of trying to address the the call problems that we discussed last week. Um, I'm happy to report that on the call center side, after you approved the amendment, the call, um, the wait time has been reduced by 68%. What our our vendor did was require eight hours of overtime per per employee, and they brought the... uh, the average wait time to call down significantly. What they've also done is they have, uh, for the last week, hired 16 new call takers, and they will be permanent employees starting next week. Additionally, we took a look at our own call center, uh, the 8400 number that you have listed there, and we simplified the calling tree so that those who call for the paratransit number will get just a paratransit message. We're also working to continue to simplify that. Um, What we want to do is we've got we work with a number of focus groups at at transit, and we're going to bring in some of our paratransit users and develop a focus group to make sure that once we finalize this new calling tree for the internal number at BCT, that it will be something that will be easy for them to negotiate.
0: Commissioner, uh, yeah. Vice Mayor Bogan.
31: First of all, Chris, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Second, um, when you say reduced call time, wait time, 64% or something like that. So how many minutes does that actually come out to as a wait time?
21: Okay. And, it, it, of course, it varies by the day. Of course. It varies by the hour. Of course. But the average wait time over over before you approved amendment was about seven minutes, just the average. Uh, Some were answered as, as low as. You know, 30 seconds, some as high as 30 minutes. So the average is about seven minutes. It is now down to about 2.2 minutes, the average.
31: Great. Thank you so much. Correct.
0: We did have a. Uh, you yeah. Is Seth Platt still in the audience? A, for public speak? Okay. Okay. Um, you want to make it? That was just a motion to discuss, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to go back. Do we have tallies on that yet?
4: They're working on the tallies. Okay. So, uh,
0: while that's going on, okay. I'm going to go ahead and go to the, I think that's our last uh, item, right?
4: Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: I'm going to go ahead and go to the mayor's report while we're doing this. A uh, couple things real quick. Uh, there was a very successful kickoff yesterday with regards to all the uh, uh, recycling. Uh, good group. Uh, they, 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 I think they're off on the right direction. Uh, the five people that are in the working group were uh, agreed with the direction that the consultant was going, and now the clock is ticking. They have 180 days to finish, so looking forward to that. Uh, second, there is a uh, we finally have an answer to that um, question of how much is that doggy in the window? Uh, if you want to get a, a dog or a cat for, uh, from the animal shelter, it is the fees are waived uh, through uh, through Christmas, I think. Uh, yes, so this is a good time to, 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 you don't want me to get you one? <laughs> no doggy. okay. And with that, I'm going to go on to start over here with Commissioner Holness.
3: Yes, I, I want to thank you all for uh, allowing Brad County to be a co-sponsor for the United Negro College Fund's Governor Luncheon. Uh, On Friday, December 8th, I'm honored to once again share, serve as uh, co-chair for the United Negro College Fund's Governor's Lunch at the Harbor Beach Marriott. And this year, the keynote speaker is Mayor Bean Mm -hmm. (laughs) Furr.
0: Looking forward to it. Looking forward to
3: it. This is my third year of co-chairing, and I'm proud to say, to date, we've raised over $150,000. Ensuring that students will go to and through college. For further information, please contact Edith Pearson at 954-527-3315. That's 954-527-3315 or edith.pearson. P-E-A-R-S-O-N, at uncf.org. John Camillo is actually our co-chair this year also. I want to thank all those who have supported United Negro College Fund's efforts over the years to ensure that we waste no minds. Additionally, something that I've been working on for a while and uh, we still haven't gotten there yet, but Hopefully, we'll get to a place where people who, uh, for whatever reason, are unable to pay, pay for a traffic ticket doesn't get arrested and put in jail. We have on the evening, uh, this evening actually, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the, 17 ju- judicial, the, the 17th ju- Judicial Circuit uh, will hold a suspended driver's license clinic at the Judicial Complex West Wing. That's at 201 Southeast Sixth Street, first floor lobby, uh, for Lauderdale 33301. This is free, it's a one-stop clinic providing service and answering questions to determine if and how a person may have their driving privilege reinstated. There will be free parking for this event located at 540 Southeast Third Avenue. If you plan on attending, please bring picture, ID, and only citations issued in Broward County will be reviewed. So if you have a suspended driver's license, you want to make it over to the West Wing of our Judicial Complex, the Courts 201 Southeast 6th Street, uh, first floor lobby, 4 to 8 p.m.
2: today. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, Commissioner Holmes, just out of curiosity, when when because uh, you've been involved, but the United Negro College Fund <coughs> work with career ready programs or just college? Okay, would be would be something to think about because there's a lot there's a lot of unmet opportunities in this country technology and other things. Um, thank you for doing that. So uh, just a couple a couple quick things, um, as I had mentioned, and, uh, unfortunately, Mayor, we were deep into the conversation and also had, had the rabies uh, item coming up. Uh, so I wasn't able to, to scoot out, but today was Flight 19 ceremony at uh, the Naval Air Station, Fort Lauderdale, uh, remembering the 27 aviators we lost in 1945. Um, Saturday, or some our sorry, Sunday at Port Everglades, actually at the um, Johnson and Mizell Park. Um, we had the 76th anniversary of the uh, laying of a wreath in uh, Port Everglades from Pearl Harbor, uh, attacks on Pearl Harbor. And we were blessed to have a 101-year-old survivor, Mr. Joe Iskovitz from Coconut Creek. And there was a bit of a hiccup that involves... Transportation and um, Mr. Iskabitz couldn't, couldn't get to the, uh, to the event. We tried TOPS, we tried BCT, we tried every type of transportation that we had at the county, but obviously there are federal programs and things you have to do to, to get that set up. So, uh, happened to be at the Port Everglades uh, Association luncheon and uh, asked our friend Mr. Camillo, and he was able to provide a wheelchair accessible. Uh, Yellow Cab, and on behalf of uh, Yellow Cab, uh, they took care of this veteran. So it was very nice. Uh, one final issue is that uh, I want to congratulate my alma mater, uh, one of those East Side schools that uh, hasn't been looked at. Uh, un- unlike the the conversation earlier about the schools out west, hasn't been looked at in a long time. But no- nonetheless, of the of the physical structure uh, of the of the great school, uh, they continue to to turn out some some great minds. Uh, there was a uh, one of the students was awarded a, a Lemelson-MIT Invent Team uh, $10,000 grant to create a mosquito breeding disruptor, a device to deter, deter mosquitoes from laying eggs in standing water. Northeast High School is one of only 15 high schools nationwide to have been selected as uh, an event team this year. And if you recall, just a few years ago, there was a student that created a portable water filtration device uh, that you could connect to a bicycle. And it was in response to the earthquake, earthquakes in Haiti. And the invention was highlighted on the South Lawn of the White House. And uh, it's on the front page of the Sun Sentinel that, uh, at the time President Obama actually peddled the bicycle to create uh, the water filtration. So proud of what they're doing there with their MIT, uh, their Cambridge uh, program, and uh, these MIT scholarships. And just wanted to bring that to everyone's attention.
0: Mr. Sharif? Thank you,
18: Mayor. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say that I had the privilege of attending the Hope south florida home for the holidays gala Um, as you know hope south florida has had made a tremendous impact in our community through their shared meals mobile showers faith in action and rapid rehousing and family support teams to help um, with stopping the homelessness in our community Um, the gala was a great success but i also wanted to give a shout out and congratulations to two of the gala's honorees Andy Mitchell and Pat Mantis for all their hard work. These are people that have dedicated their time and um, has a commitment to this organization, and I just thought that they did an outstanding job. Um, it was great to hear some of the stories of the people that they've helped single from a single mom living in a car with her two kids and why she became homeless and um, just a good uh, opportunity to see that homelessness is not just about people being um having abusing substances but it people are homeless for different reasons and a lot of times that's not brought to light. The the second thing that I had the pleasure to attend was the Seminole Hard Rock Winterfest Black Tie Ball. And we're gonna have a great uh parade this year and I'm looking forward to seeing um Mayor Fur on the lead boat for six hours. <laughs> um <laughs> saturday um saturday uh december this si- wednesday to saturday december the 6th to the 9th i'll be attending the naco 2017 fall board of directors meeting and poverty summit in tarrant county fort worth texas and um, i'll also be there um, campaigning for second vp so i can any of you go in i could use your help and then also The Broward County Commission on the Status of Women has scheduled a presentation on women seeking elected office at their December board meeting. Basically to provide an overview of the process and steps to success for women coming into elected office. And um, there has been a study that proves that women in public office can promote a more transparent and inclusive government. And so that presentation takes place on December the 13th from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Broad County Governmental Center right here, 115 South Andrews Avenue in room 301. Um, With that, Mayor, that concludes my remarks.
19: Okay.
0: Vice Mayor Bogan. I have no remarks.
19: Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Ryan. No remarks.
5: Commissioner Just quickly, one thing I neglected to mention this at the last meeting. Um, I, I had the privilege of meeting a ton of our Broward County employees at the event that we did and that the county administration put on for the thanking them for the hurricane, the work they did during the hurricane. It was so great to see those employees and really get a chance to talk to them on a one-to-one level. They didn't know I was a commissioner, half of them, so it was good to really speak to them. And in in great form, it wasn't just a party. There was a government purpose out of that, (laughs) because the employees that all worked during the hurricane were from so many different organizations within the organization that they all didn't know who each other, what, their names. Mm-hmm. So they all got shirts with a hurricane symbol, Broward County, and their name, so that next time there's a hurricane, it's, to a more, it's a more cohesive group. Very well done. That was really well done, nice Thank to you. see. Commissioner Rich. Thank you,
12: Mr. Mayor. Uh, just want to um, um, tell uh, everybody that uh, we were successful. Um, with the last meeting of the Florida Housing Finance Corporate, well, they were the administrators of the uh, statewide housing work group. And um, we uh, spent eight hours last Wednesday uh, kind of negotiating, debating recommendations to go to the legislature and the governor. Um, and uh, I have to say that the initial, the initial um, indication was that uh, there were people who did not want to include full funding of Sadowski as in my opinion, the number one res- uh, um, recommendation. And um, so there was a debate. And uh, so someone said, well, do you have wording? So I had the um, the Florida Association of Counties uh, resolution in front of me. So I just read the first two sentences. So I'm very happy to say, and this is something that we all can work on. We can go up and lobby in Tallahassee. Uh, there are going to be people just really tons of people up there this year uh, from all different kinds of agencies, from the business community, uh, advocating for full funding of Sadowski. So it, it says that the um, that the Affordable Housing Workgroup recommends that the legislature uh, appropriate all Sadowski state and local housing trust fund money solely for Florida's affordable housing programs. And I asked that it be number one, and when I got the draft this uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, the finding is uh, the number one. Uh, Even though the the governor's representatives and a couple of the the, the one from the speaker did not vote uh, for this, uh, it did pass. So we can count on that as being something we can all uh, work on. And I just do want to mention that um, on um, uh, Thursday, the 7th, there's going to be the Tower Club Breakfast is going to be on homelessness. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be moderating a panel of very distinguished people, including our own Michael Wright, uh, who uh, is uh, our administrator for the Homeless Programs and Continuum, uh, continuum of Care. And uh, Fran Esposito, who is CEO um, for um, uh, the uh, Broward Partnership for the Homeless. And then Debbie Perry, who uh, is on the COC Board and she's the Henderson Behavioral Health Housing Administrator. So it all ties in, again, to the affordable housing issues. Um, um, I think um, we're trying to show that um, the models have changed uh, from uh, shelter to, um, uh, even though we all know we need to have some shelter, but it's changed from shelter to uh, rapid rehousing. rehousing. And uh, so uh, I think we should have a a good uh, group from the business community again because they're really involved and committed to this issue now. Um, and um, excited about that. So, anybody who wants to come is that on the sixteenth? It's no, it's on the seventh. Uh, oh, on the seventh. Seventh Thursday. Oh, this um, Thursday. at the okay. uh, Tower Club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we have seven thirty in the morning? Okay,
0: thank you. Do we have scores? Do we have the votes? Yes.
28: yes. Hey, Mayor,
1: real yeah. quick
2: on on Commissioner Rich's point on on rapid rehousing. I, I went to the Fort Lauderdale uh, District Two, I think, uh, Commission debate this morning at the Riverside, and there's still. Mm-hmm bringing the conversation about getting stronger about their insistence on uh, utilizing stockade. So that that idea is not going away. And I thought Bertha was very uh, straightforward in our village square when we explained it. But um, it's just it's out there. So, I mean, if we ever hear it, we need to debunk that.
12: Let me let okay. me just say that that part of uh, I've met with uh, uh, with all of our uh, panelists. And, you know, we have really formulated questions and issues. And we're going to be go- taking that head on uh, at uh, Thursday. Do we have morning. a list
0: of FAQs?
12: The what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Frequently
0: asked, frequently asked questions. And the answers because that's one that's yes. frequently uh, yes, asked. Yeah, of course. And it would be what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Eddie. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, Eddie
38: Labrador, Intergovernmental Affairs. Um, and just before I begin, if I can just confirm with the county attorney that uh, that I may read the results
36: of the votes uh, based upon district numbers for our, um, for the top vote getters.
7: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the best rule is, is to read all votes. But I think given that we're at, it's been a long day, I think that's fine because there'll be a public record of the ballots unless anyone on the board would Take like object. to. No.
0: Fine, go ahead. Okay. So uh, we had uh, two
38: of the four vote getters got six votes. Uh, Ms. Freed got the votes of districts one, three, four, six, eight, and nine. Uh, Mr. Repholz uh, received the votes of district two, three, six, seven, eight, and nine. The
0: remaining votes will be part of the record, uh, uh, which would be included in the minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. So they will be our at large representatives. And now, County Auditor, no, County Administrator.
4: Yes, very briefly, um, we are in need of multicultural vendors to assist our CVB um, with our convention and visitor bu- uh, business activities. Um, as a result of that, we're having um, um, an industry meet and greet, um, and we're entitling, entitle, entitling it Opportunities in the Tourism Industry for Multicultural Business, and it'll be a joint um, um, session with our Office of Economic um, and Small Business Development, along with our CVB, and that will be Thursday, December fourteenth, at our main library. Again, we'll, we'll get the notices out to each of your district, but um, our effort to make sure that we diversify the people that can provide services to our CVB.
0: Wonderful, thank you, County County Attorney.
7: No, nothing, Mayor. See you at the workshop.
0: Okay, workshop will start at two fifteen. Do you want you want to do two you want to just do it okay that's fine well they need 15 they need 15 minutes to set up it's 150 205 205
19: 205
0: all right